and we are on air for Fanfare Racing's NASCAR Race Review. And tonight we are reviewing the races at uh, Richmond Raceway as well as Portland International Raceway. So uh, definitely looking forward to our show tonight. And joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Segala. In the meantime, I'm going to go through our agenda here. We're going to start with a few updates from the Arca Menard Series and the Arca East Series. They did not race this weekend, but they will be racing next weekend uh, at Bristol. And we'll talk more about that in the first half hour. Then we're going to review the Arca West race at Portland. Uh, It was an exciting finish and a little bit of controversy, but uh, again, we'll talk about that when we do our review here in a few minutes. At the top of the hour, we'll get into the NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, review, not at Darlington, but at uh, Richmond Raceway. And then uh, at 9.30 Eastern Time, our guest is Dean Thompson with High Point Racing. We're going to talk to him because he's just won the second consecutive championship at uh, Richmond at uh, Irwindale Speedway. So that's uh, pretty exciting, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with him about that. Uh, then at uh, about 10-2, the top of the hour, we're going to get into a few updates from the NASCAR Truck Series. They did not race this past weekend, but I believe they're going to be racing this coming weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Okay, now then, um, I do hope that Sal gets here shortly so that uh, we can kind of get started. I'm going to go ahead and get started with what we have. Uh, Everybody knows, I I didn't mention this, but I hope everybody knows, 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, and we'll have uh, some of our crew members coming on board at that time. Okay, let's get started with the uh, updates from the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, They are racing this weekend, September the 16th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, at Bristol Motor Speedway will be the Bush Beans 200, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Now, um, uh, along with the Arkham and Art Series, we are also going to be uh, having the Arca East also racing this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway, and this is their season finale. So the champion will be crowned after the Bush Beans 200 on Fox Sports 1 after some motor speedway. So uh, a big race for the Arca East. Uh, but there's also points paying for the uh, Bush Beans 200 for the Sioux Chief Showdown. So the Sioux Chief Showdown is also going to be racing this this weekend. The drivers that are competing in that championship are also racing this weekend. And uh, that's going to be very exciting. One race, two series, uh, three series, and uh, points for all three of those series. So uh, this is a do-not-miss race for the Arca Menard Series as well as the Arca East. 
Now, also, let me give you the points here for the ARCA East uh, because they, uh, as I mentioned, are going to be crowning their champion this weekend. So uh, the series point standings for that group uh, is pretty much between two drivers, and that's Ty Gibbs, who is 16 points above Corey Heim. Corey Heim is in second place, uh, and uh, those are the two drivers that are going to be competing uh, for that championship this weekend at Bristol. Uh, the other top five drivers are Thad Moffitt, uh, Nick Sanchez, and Brad Smith round out the top five. Those are uh, only two drivers, actually, have competed in all 17 races Um I'm sorry, this is the ARCA, ARCA standings. This is not the ARCA E standings. Uh, but all, the, the two drivers that have uh, competed in all 17 races are Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim. Thad Moffat and Nick Sanchez has competed in 15 of those 17 races, and Brad Smith in 16 of those 17 races. Uh, now let's go back because I do want to cover the uh, point standings for the ARCA East. Let's see if I can get that up here. Uh, the ARCA East. Okay, now, again, this is the final race at at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend. Sammy Smith currently holds the lead. Yeah, he is 24 points above Daniel Dye. He has the three race wins, six top fives along with six top tens, and one Whole award. So uh, he's got an average start of 4.1, an average finish of 4.6. Daniel Dye in second place doesn't have any wins here. He did win a race in the Arkham Menard Series, uh, but he has the two top fives and seven top tens. Uh, and again, he's 24 points back. In third place is Mason Diaz, 33 points back. Then it's Joey East at 38 points back. And Max Gutierrez at 40 points back, rounding out the top five. Uh, the only other driver that has all seven races under their belt is Raja Karuth in sixth place, and he's 45 points back. Uh, <clears throat> the next drivers from seventh through tenth uh, have not raced the entire series. Parker Retzlaff is in seventh with six races. Taylor Gray has four races in eighth. Ty Gibbs three races in his ninth place, and in tenth is Stephanie Moyer with five races under her belt. So this race uh, this weekend is going to be a big, big event for the ARCA East. Uh, next, we'll cover the point standings here for the Sioux Chief Showdown. Um, <clears throat> for the Sioux Chief Showdown, Ty Gibbs continues to lead uh, that race or that series uh, he is 338 points to Corey Hunt's 325 points. That Moffat is in third at 293 points. Then it's Nick Sanchez. He's actually tied with Thad Moffat uh, in that uh, third-place position. And Taylor Gray rounds out the top five. Now, Taylor Gray has six of the eight races under his belt. Brad Smith in sixth place has the has a tendon all eight races. Now, this race this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway is 
the night of the Sioux Chief Showdown, and that is a pretty big deal because there are only 10 races in the Sioux Chief Showdown. So this is kind of the last race before their finale, which will take place at Salem Speedway, uh, I believe, sometime next month. So uh, it might be, let me check the schedule here real quick for when that uh, Salem Speedway race is. Uh, The race at Salem is actually going to be October the 2nd. So it will be October the 2nd. That will be the season finale for the Sioux Chief Showdown. And the race is called the Sioux Chief Power Pack 200. And that's when we'll know who is winning the uh, Sioux Chief Showdown in the Arkham and Series. The season finale for the Arkham and Series, uh, they have Bristol Motor Speedway this week. Uh, the October 2nd, the Salem Speedway is uh, their next to the last race before their season finale at Cam Speedway. The recent 150 will take place on October the 23rd, and that's when we'll know who the Arkham Menard Series champion is. So uh, three finales in a row here with Crystal Motor Speedway being the finale for the Arca East, Sioux Chief Power Pack 200 at Salem Speedway, the finale for the Sioux Chief Showdown, and Kansas Speedway and the Reese's 150, the finale for the Arkham Menard Series. So three big races coming up here uh, for uh, the Arkham and Art Series and the Arcade. So joining me now is our co-host for tonight, and that is Sal Segala. How you doing, Sal? Good, Sharon. Thank you so much. Okay. We missed you at the beginning of the show. I was looking at the clock and... Excuse me, I think I read the wrong time. I think my clock is very accurate. Okay, well, okay, we're ready to do the uh, um, review of the race at Portland. And it was kind of an exciting finish because the drivers that finished first and second ended up getting penalties and did not win the race. So Jake Drew and Eric Nascimento. Uh, both cut uh, and missed turn two on the final restart. And because of that, they received a penalty and were moved to the back of the pack. Uh, And so that left Taylor Gray, who ran third over the finish line, as the race winner. So um, they have the video up at arcaracing.com if you want to watch it. But it's very clear. Actually, there were three drivers who cut that corner, uh, but the the two drivers that were at the front are the two drivers that uh, were hurt the worst with that penalty. And uh, it took the penalty away from Jake Drew, and gave or gave the it took the win away from Jake Drew, and second place away from Eric Nascimento. And it was uh, Taylor Gray that came home with that finish. Have you seen that video yet, Jay? Or I'm sorry, Sal. Huh? Yeah, I seen it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was an exciting finish. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, I I know that Jake felt that he didn't cut the corner. I know 
I talked to one of his teammates at Erndale on Saturday, and he said he felt that he got pushed down there and had no nowhere to go. But, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to appeal it or if they're just going to go and just figure, you know what, what's done is done. You know, I'll move on to the, to the next race, which is at um, um, All-American yeah, Speedway. Yeah, right. yeah, that's to the west. Yeah, um, yeah that's interesting feedback there. Uh, <coughs> does he feel who does he feel pushed him down there? Well, he he, he didn't exactly say, but I mean, when you look at the replay, you could see kind of you could see the car, but um, you know, he just felt you know that he was pushed and he had you know really had nowhere to go because it was on a restart. But um, yeah, it was on a restart. You know, yeah, and I mean, the call can go both ways, but I mean, at the end, it's always going to be Arca that's going to have the, the last say. So it, it was a tough call mm-hmm. for Chris Wright, you know, who's the director of the Arca series, to call, you know, to yeah, make. Yeah, it is a tough call. But, but I mean, you know, he made the right call because, you know, I mean, yeah, he got pushed, but he could have, I don't know. I mean, rules are rules, you know, and that's why they have them. And he wasn't the only one that got penalized. At least the other ones that did it, that were with him, got penalized too. So it wasn't, it wasn't like Jake or Phil, you know, they were just picking on him. Right. Yeah, I see how he he probably feels that way. And it's a really tough situation to be in, but that is the rule. I think it was the number 99 uh, that pushed him. Um, but... You know, you just can't cut the corner like that and come up in the lead that way. So um, I, I can see where Arca made their call as well and had to make that call. So it was that last lap restart that made all the difference in the world. Uh, we'll go over the complete results uh, for the Portland 112. Taylor Gray uh, is the driver that ended up finishing that race. Uh, he gets credited with the win. Paul Pedrin Sully in the number 33 finished uh, second. Then it was Jesse Love in the number 16 finishing in third place. Joey East finished in fourth place. And Takuma Koga rounds out the top five drivers. The next uh, five are uh, Tim Spurgeon. Uh, then it was Trevor Huddleston, Stafford Smith. Paul Pedron Sully and Jake Drew comes home with that uh, top 10. Eric Nascimento uh, actually finished in 11th place. So um, uh, there were a couple drivers that did have some issues. Uh, Caleb Costner uh, was not able to start. Uh, Todd Souza had a fuel issue. And Dave Smith also had a fuel issue. Everybody else ended up finishing the race. Uh, in running, so uh, that's pretty much what we have here for for that uh, Portland 112. Yeah, I'm sure we see. I mean, I think they're going to be showing the replay here in a couple of days, you know. So we'll get a chance to see the, um, you know, the whole race, you know, and and it kind of. Then you, then you can kind of see with all the other restarts. You know, what was that a right call to make, or was it just, uh, you know? the wrong call, you know, how many other people did it, if anyone else did it, you know, and then, I you know, think then there you were got three people who did it. 
No, no, but I'm talking about with all the other restarts. Oh, all the other restarts. I got you. Yeah, throughout the day, but it doesn't matter right now. You know what? It's just now it's – it just it just made it tough. It made it tougher for um for Jake, who is you know who is also fighting for you know who's fighting for the yeah he was going after that first win exactly yeah right. the first win um now you mentioned that uh, the broadcast is going to be on NBC Sports Network. That's going to take place Saturday, September the eighteenth, <clears throat> starting at nine p.m. Pacific time, but it'll be twelve a.m. Eastern time. So you might want to set your DVRs for this one right now so that you don't miss the action uh, because uh, that was a very, very exciting race. Uh, disappointment for uh, a few of the drivers here, uh, and uh, Taylor Gray was just surprised as everybody that he ended up with the uh, victory. So uh, let's go ahead and cover the uh, series points for the Arco Okay, the series points are um, after six races. It's uh, Jesse Love is, is leading the, the points. He's the first. Jake Drew is in second. Paul <clears throat> Paul Trenicelli Jr. Third. Cole Moore's in fourth. Um, Joey East run off the top five. Um, yeah, that that was uh, that was definitely a race that, that Jake needed, you know, to close up that points gap a little bit. And uh, now he has Paul Paul and Cole Moore that are only a point behind him, and then Joey East is only uh, four points back. So. It's going to make it interesting, yeah. you know, what happens these last, um, you know, these last few races, you know, how he, um, you know, how he can bounce back and, you know, if, if Jesse can keep that, that, um, that needed, you know, and grab another championship. And then from there, then we yes, go down indeed. to Todd's, oh, I'm sorry, Shirk. Um, Todd, Todd yeah, Tusa finished say. sixth. Okay, go ahead. Todd, Todd Tusa in sixth. Trevor Huddleston in seventh. Takuma Koga eighth. Bridget Burgess uh, ninth and Bobby Hills Jr. round out the top ten and actually they're the ten drivers that are um, that haven't missed a race so far this year. So yeah, um, that's fantastic. Sixty-seven yeah, so points that's... is the point spread from tenth uh, to first. Uh, Paul Pedroncelli Jr. and Cole Moore in third and fourth are actually tied at twenty points each. So. Um, uh, they've got identical stats, except that Paul, ha- or Paul has a pole award, and Cole does not. So that was the tiebreaker uh, for them in the uh, point standings here. Uh, but this is going to be really interesting to watch uh, this continue to play out, uh, Sal, because um, these guys are winding down their series as well. I wanted to uh, pull up the West Series schedule here because we've been kind of covering it for the East and the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, they've got, on September 23rd, uh, they're going to be racing at the Bull Ring in Las Vegas, uh, the Star Nursery 150. October 9th, they'll be at All-American Speedway for the Napa Auto Parts 150. And then their season finale will be November the 6th the Phoenix 100 at Phoenix Raceway, and that's going to be on the big stage with the season finale for, for NASCAR as well. So 
Three more races yeah. for the ARCA West. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an exciting next three races. It definitely is. Uh, we talked about the bushes, the bushes being 200 for the ARCA East, uh, the ARCA Menard Series, and the Sioux Chief Showdown coming up this weekend. And I mentioned the Star Nursery 150 September 23rd at the Bullring in Las Vegas. Uh, that's going to be at 7 p.m. Pacific time. That's 10 p.m. Eastern time. And you can watch the live streaming on TrackPass on NBC Gold's uh, TrackPass service. It's also available via the radio at ARCARacing.com. And they also have the Race Central there where they give updates directly from the track of everything that's going on if you want to stay up with what's happening uh, at that race during the event. Now, just a programming note here as well, Jay or Sal, we are going to be doing a podcast for our Thursday night show because of the races that will be taking place on Thursday night at Bristol Motor Speedway. So we're going to put the podcast together on Wednesday morning. We'll put it out uh, for everybody to listen to sometime early Wednesday afternoon so that uh, you can hear our preview of those races that will be taking place at Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend. We'll be doing the same thing next weekend. Uh, Again, the ARCA West will be racing on a Thursday night, so we are going to be doing a, uh, a podcast on Wednesday morning again, and again, we'll put it out early on Wednesday so that we can share our preview of all of the races that are taking place that weekend. <clears throat> wow, that sounds exciting. A lot, lot to remember when, when the you know <laughs> the week the week starts coming up. You know that you know somebody doesn't call and find out that you're you're on the wrong show. You know, calling who knows well, the, right. this number so might be a cooking that's, show. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why we want to make sure that everybody knows. <clears throat> Uh, that it will be a podcast. We'll put it out on Twitter and Facebook so that everybody knows that the, when the podcast is available. It will be available a day earlier because there is racing that is taking place on those Thursday nights. So, uh, uh, again, we just wanted to make sure everybody knew and uh, keep everybody posted. Okay, so... Um, do you have any picks, Sal, for who you think is going to win at Bristol or who you think is going to win the next uh, ARCA West race at Las Vegas? Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, Jake is on somewhat of a, of a, of a roll. I know, I know Jake has a lot, of, um, a lot of road course experience. That's why he's able to do as well as he did racing go-karts. But um, um, it's going to be... Bill McAdoy's cars are hard to beat, but I think I think if there's someone who can do it, I think it could be Jake Drew. But um, it's going to be hard because I I think that um, that uh, Jesse Love will probably come away with the win. But like I said, anything can happen. Anything can happen, and we know that too. What about for the Bush Beans 200? Do you have a favorite to win there? Uh, the competition in the Arkham Menard Series is between Ty Gibbs and. Corey Hine, but you also got the East uh, season finale, so those guys are going to be racing hard too. 
Yeah, Ty Gibbs is hard to beat. I mean, you know, he's he's on a roll. He's um he's no matter where where he's racing at, you know what? He's always a threat. So I mean, it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to bet against against Ty Gibbs. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's going to be tough to 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 uh, bet against him. Uh, but I know uh, a lot of these drivers are going to be racing as hard as they can uh, out there at Bristol. And, you know, Bristol always uh, comes up with some surprises. Oh, yeah. It's um, it's, a, it's attractive. It's definitely, it's attractive. It's definitely you got to, you know, you know, put on your, on your bucket list, you know, to watch because, you know, any, anything can happen. Exactly right. Okay, uh, let's go ahead. I know we're a little bit ahead of schedule, but that's probably not going to hurt us. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the Xfinity Series um, and their last race. Uh, I we hit the wrong spot here. Uh, their next race, as I mentioned, is going to be at um, – Bristol Motor Speedway, the Food City 300 at 7.30 p.m. on Friday night, September the 17th. It will be televised on NBC Sports Network and uh, radio coverage from PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, But we want to cover uh, what happened in the uh, uh, race at Richmond Raceway for the Xfinity Series uh, this past Saturday, Noah Gregson makes it two in a row. Uh, he led the final 14 laps, holding off the field on a pair of late race restarts on Saturday's Gulf Bowling 250 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Richmond Raceway. Uh, he celebrated the moment by wrapping himself in an American flag, then climbing the front grandstand fence to a cheering crowd. There was a lot of people cheering for him. With a, a pair of late restarts, Noah Gregson in the number nine was able to hold off the field to win the Gold Bowl in 250. Uh, it was his second consecutive victory he earned and the first win this of this season. Um, his first win came last weekend at Darlington Raceway. On fresher tires, Justin Haley made his way up to the second position, less than four tenths of a second behind Gregson. John Hunter Nemechek finished in third. Uh, Justin Algauer and Riley Erks round out the top five. The next five drivers were Daniel Hemrick, Ty Gibbs, Brandon Brown, Harrison Burton, Jeb Burton made up the top ten. Jeb Burton really rallied from being back in the pack uh, to come home with that top ten finish. In his lone start of the season in the number eight, Dale Earnhardt Jr., finished in 14th place. There were 15 lead changes among eight drivers and nine cautions for 58 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 83.364 miles per hour. For Gregson, it was his fourth victory in 94 Xfinity Series starts. His second victory in 16th top 10 finish this year. Uh, And it was also his first victory in fifth top 10 finish in six races at Richmond. Justin Haley uh, posted his fourth top 10 finish in five races at Richmond and 17th top 10 finish this year. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek uh, 
posted his second top 10 finish in four races at Richmond, and Ty Gibson's seventh place was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, this was Junior Motorsports' sixth win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Richmond Raceway as well. So uh, any thoughts there on uh, how this race finished? So. Yeah, it was a it was an exciting win, you know, for Noah, you know, for him to pick up, you know, another, you know, pick up back to back wins, you know, especially after the season he's been having. Um, I know they did kind of. It was kind of funny they made mention that when when the nine one one attacks happened, Noah was only like three years old. So, you know, they're saying you know how much of it to remember. Probably none of it. But you know, um, you know, young or old, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It, it affected. It affected everybody of all ages, especially when you start to get older. You know, and you look back at history, you know, this is something, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, that was taught, you know, while he was going to school, you know, you know, that, you know, when 911 came around, you know, I think it was something, you know, that was spoke about, you know. So, but, you know, it was a, it was a good, exciting win for him. You know, Justin Haney, John Hunter, Newman you know, were right there. Um, uh, Riley Herbst, you know, to see him, you know, finally, you know, get a good top five finish, you know, after the luck he's been having this season, you know, and, uh, you know, it was a, it was a much needed, you know, top five, top five finish for him, you know. Um, Absolutely. You know, especially at a, at a truck, you know, as tough as uh, a track, as tough as a uh, Richmond Raceway. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, I will say there were a few drivers that ran into some incidents. Uh, C.J. McLaughlin was involved in an accident. Landa Castle had an ignition problem. Uh, Tommy Joe Martins, he had a couple of accidents uh, that uh, occurred throughout the day. But everybody else uh, finished the race running, so uh, it was a pretty good race. Uh, Almendinger won the first stage and Ty Gibbs won the second stage of the race. Uh, so uh, that was pretty cool to see as well. Uh, but Noah Grayson was there at the end, and uh, he's peaking at a really good time, Sal. Yes, he is. This is the time when you want to be peaking, you know, and, you know, just see, um, you know, how far he can, you know, take it, you know, in, you know, once, you know, once, once their playoffs start, you know, and, uh, you know, if he can – uh, you know, got to keep this momentum going. Yeah, I, I kind of expect exactly. a little bit more better finish out of out of AJ Allmendinger, but you know, you know, he finished. You know, it, it is what it is. But you know what, the college motorsports team still continues to flex their muscle. You know, with Justin Haley picking up the second, you know, another another second place finish. You know, so you know, you know, college racing is definitely making their mark in this Xfinity series. Yes, they are. Uh, it's been it's been really fun watching college racing uh, develop the way that they have. Uh, now, if you're looking at the schedule here for the uh, uh, Arca, for the uh, series for the Xfinity series, I believe Bristol Motor Speedway is going to be their season finale where they crown the season, the regular season champion, and then Las Vegas is where they start their playoff rounds of 12. So this is going to be a big race for the Xfinity Series as well at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, so that leads right into the point standings. Yeah, the point standings are, um, 
me get there. Uh, here you go. The point standings are um, A.J. Allmendinger is still leading the points. Um, Austin Cedric in second. <clears throat> Justin Algaier in third. Daniel Hamrick in fourth. Harrison Burton fifth. And Noah Gregson round out the top six. Um, Noah kind of picked up a little bit of steam and picked up, you know, some extra playoff points these last couple of weeks. You know, now he's up to 13. I remember a few weeks back, I think he only had one or two playoff points, but with yeah. these two wins, you know, he's starting to, you know, stack up the points. And, of course, Austin Sindrick is still leading the pack with 34, and A.J. Allmendinger is right behind him with 24. <clears throat> now the next six down is the, um, the, Justin the, Hay- oh, the championship is really between – the championship is really between Almondinger and Austin Sendrick, and it's all going to come down to Bristol Motor Speedway and the finishes that they have uh, in that race on Friday night. Oh yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be definitely a good race to watch and you know see how you know how how it pans out you know for the because um, um, Austin Sendrick did lead did lead the the. the the series, you know, he had the majority of, uh, you know, sitting in first, you know, and all of a sudden Almondinger came in, you know, and snuck in there, you know, and and took that top spot from him. Yeah, and now yeah, there's only five, five points between them. So, so it, 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 it's, it's, it's going to be a good finale. It certainly is. Okay, go ahead with your next uh, next six. So the next six is um, the seventh is Justin Haley. Eighth is Jeb Burton. Ninth is Jeremy Clements. Tenth is Brandon Jones. Eleventh is Riley Herbst. And twelfth is Myatt Snyder. Okay, so that finish really helped Riley move up. Uh, he's been yeah, riding on the uh, cutoff line, and so now he's uh, in 11th place. So he's given himself a little bit of a cushion. Yeah, you know, and, and it almost looks like he's he almost locked himself in. I mean, he's got 590 points. Of course, we know that. Um, of course, we know that. Uh, you know, Maya Snyder is going to go up and on top of him. You know, because of his win, mm-hmm. that'll put Riley in 12th. But he, Michael and Ned is still um, is still uh, 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 66 points behind. Behind Riley Herbst, that's a lot of points to make up. Yeah, and the thing is, NASCAR's already given Michael on that a waiver if he's able to get into that top 12. So uh, you're right. It's going to be hard to kind of make up those points. Uh, it's not impossible, uh, but uh, Michael Annette really needs a win at Bristol. Oh, yeah. If he wants that, to that, get that, in. That, Exactly that. That's for sure. He definitely does need a win. I mean, anything less than a win, or or a DNF by um, or a DNF by uh, by uh, Riley early, you know, um, yeah, he's he's not Michael and ain't gonna make it. So we'll have to see what happens at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, you know, a lot of different things can happen. And uh, we'll see how it plays out on Friday night for this uh, ARCA or for this uh, Xfinity series. Uh, and it's been a fun series to watch. Uh, the last few years, I've really enjoyed the Xfinity series and what they're able to do uh, at the track because uh, 
you've got a lot of really interesting drivers. It was fun seeing Jenna Hunter Nemechek racing in the Xfinity Series. Uh, they announced that he's going to be racing uh, some more uh, Xfinity Series races. Uh, he'll be with uh, Joe Gibbs racing at Talladega. Uh, and he's going to be pretty much sharing that ride with Ty Gibbs for the remainder of this season. Are you still here? Uh, yeah, they're they're, sure they're both going to need it. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, sure. I, I put on on a beat for a second. But um, okay. yeah, it's, it's 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 yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, you know when they get when they get down to the end, especially you know. You know to see you know where where they're going to be at next season. You know they I know that Denham have really said you know what their commitments are, but I mean for Ty Gibbs we we can almost we can almost you can almost say he's going to be racing full time. You know with Joe Gibbs racing in an Xfinity car, especially with the with the you know with the the uh, improvements he's had this year. You know with the wins. You know then. You know the way he's dominated the ARCA series. You know, and it's it's time for him to move up. It is, and 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 he's shown he can handle an Xfinity car. It's not like he needs to go through the truck series. You know, first to learn. You know, he's um, no. you know, he's proven himself that he can race in that Xfinity series and be very competitive. <clears throat> okay, so. Um, this season, so Bristol, Texas, and Phoenix. Uh, however, Ty Gibbs is actually going to be in the race at Bristol instead of John Hunter Nemechek because he probably was able to get sponsorship. Uh, so, and Nemechek may not have been able to get that sponsorship. So he'll be racing at Talladega Super Speedway in the Truck Series, uh, and. Uh, I mean, in the uh, Xfinity Series. So, on the same day, he's going to be competing in the in the Camping World Truck Series for Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, while he battles for the championship in the Truck Series. So, uh, uh, don't look for... It was originally announced he would be at Bristol, but it's actually going to be Ty Gibbs in that car this weekend. Okay, so then, yeah, so now we know that that uh, the tie will be there. Yeah. So you might remember in June they announced that it was going to be uh, John Hunter in that car, but uh, it's actually going to be Ty Gibbs this weekend for sure. So just an FYI there. Let's go ahead and move on to the Cup Series, uh, Sal. Uh, their next race, again, is the Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time this Saturday, September the 18th. It will be televised on NBC Sports Network with radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. There is no practice or qualifying uh, for them this weekend at uh, Bristol. But uh, I want to make sure we cover the Federated Auto Parts Salute to the American Heroes uh, 400 that took place at Richmond this week for the Cup Series. Uh, That was on September the 11th in the evening. Martin Truex Jr. received a penalty in the opening lap of the race uh, 
for crossing the start-finish line in front of pole sitter Denny Hamlin at the green flag. Uh, and I'll talk about that just to, in just a little bit But because uh, I watched a video where he talked about that. Uh, but 400 laps later, Truex led the field across the line again, this time as the race winner of the Federated Auto Parts 400 salute to first responders at Richmond Raceway. It was a convincing lead, a 1.317 second margin of victory over Joe Gibbs Racing teammates, Denny Hamlin and Christopher Bell, who finished in second and third. It was Truex's third win in his last five races at Richmond, his fourth win of the season, and most importantly, it gave him that coveted automatic bid into the next round of the Cup Series playoffs. So he won. Uh, the win was the fourth win of his of the year, his third win at Richmond, and the 31st win of his career. Hamlin finished second, followed by Christopher Bell. Then it was Chase Elliott and Joey Logano rounding out the top five, followed by Larson, Chastain, Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Ryan Blaney to round out the top ten. Uh, the pole sitter was Kyle Larson. He was forced to start at the rear because of inspection failures, but he ended up finishing in sixth place. Truex took the lead after the final round of green flag pit stops and led the final 50 laps to win by more than a second. Of the 16 playoff drivers, only one did not finish the race, and that was Kurt Busch. He cut a tire on lap 41, spinning into the outside wall. He ended up finishing 37th, and that was a really bad hit for uh, Kurt Busch. Uh, stage one and two were both won by Denny Hamlin. There were 21 lead changes among eight drivers, five cautions for 30 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 98.307 miles per hour. Um, it was, again, his 31st victory in 577 Cup Series starts, his fourth victory in 15th top 10 finish this year, his third victory in 14th top 10 finish in 31 races at Richmond. Uh, Denny Hamlin posted his 19th top 10 finish in 30 races at Richmond and his 19th top 10 finish this year. Christopher Bell posted his second top 10 finish in three races at Richmond. Chase Briscoe, who finished 16th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And Joe Gibbs Racing leads the NASCAR Cup Series in victories at Richmond with 17 wins. Uh, that's just incredible. So um, it covers uh, going, I see, I think the earliest race I see here is 1999 uh, through this year. So that's amazing that uh, Joe Gibbs Racing has won so many times at that track. Something to keep in mind for your fantasy game for next season, Sal. Yeah, you know, but you also got to remember, too, Danny Hamlin, this used to be one of his favorite tracks. You know, he always seemed like he was always yeah. up front or, or winning. You know, he's I, I don't know how many wins he has here at this track, but I don't whenever it came to Richmond, you know, it's always, you know, like like the you know, like the Denny Hamlin show. So and I'm sure that's where Joe Gibbs race, you know, picked up you know, the majority of their race wins, you know, was with Danny Hamlin. But um either way, you know Hamlin's what Hamlin's um, got three wins. Yeah. Oh he does? Mm-hmm. But either way he's um 
either way, he's 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 also peaking at the right time. You know. That is so, true. I mean, that is true. So he, that win has to be coming. He got a win last week. So, uh, you know, he came home second this week. So, yeah, he's definitely peaking at the right time. Our two drivers are locked in uh, for the uh, playoffs. Last week we had so many of the playoff drivers that ran into trouble uh, and ended up finishing outside the top 16 drivers. Uh, This week the only driver... Uh, that had trouble really with Kurt Busch with that uh, cut tire that he had that uh, put him out of the race pretty early. He ended up 37th. Any other comments you want to make about the uh, top, the race results, Sal? Yeah, that's that's basically. Basically, you know, you, you basically covered everything. You know what? You know, as far as you know, what's you know, what's going on? You know, and what we have to look forward to, you know, in the coming, you know, the coming weeks, as far as our, um, you know, the you know drivers that are, that are, you know, that are in the chase, you know, and making it eligible, you know, they're. Um, but Joe Gibbs Racing is really, is really putting on a, you know, they're really coming in strong. Even even Chris Bell, you know, with this, you know, with his finish. Mm-hmm. But um, Kyle Busch is still having, I don't know, what's up, what's up with Kyle, I'm sure. I mean, he, he, he needs to win. <laughs> yeah, he needs to win this yeah. week. Yeah, let's go over the series point standings because you're right. There's a few drivers that are kind of below the cut line at this point. And this is an elimination race at Bristol Motor Speedway. So four drivers are going to go home outside of the uh, round of 12 drivers. Okay, so 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 far leading leading the points is uh, Kyle Larson. Um, in second is Denny Hamlin. Third is Martin Truex Jr. Fourth is Joey Logano. Fifth is Ryan Blaney. Sixth is Kevin Harvick, who is still holding on without a win and still alive in the chase. And then Chase mm-hmm. Elliott is uh seventh and Christopher Bell rounds off the top eight of the top uh sixteen drivers, you know, that'll you know, that are making up the chase. But like you said, four of them four of them are gonna be um <clears throat> four of them are gonna be uh uh eliminated, you know, after after this weekend. Okay, so the bottom eight drivers. And then the, cover the and then the bottom eight. The bottom eight is ninth is Brad Keselowski, tenth is Kyle Busch, eleventh is Eric Almarola, twelfth is Kurt Busch, thirteenth is Alex Bowman, fourteenth is Tyler Reddick, fifteenth is William Byron, and sitting in the Jeff Gordon number sixteen spot is Michael McDowell. Yeah. Like yeah. For, for all you, for all you that don't remember, Jeff Gordon's last season, they NASCAR opted to add an extra spot in the chase so Jeff Gordon could make it. So, I kind of call that last spot the Jeff Gordon spot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kyle Larson's got a whopping 53 playoff points that are kind of carrying him into uh, that lead. 
Uh, Denny Hamlin's 24 points behind, uh, it wouldn't be enough to make up for the 53 points uh, that he has in playoff points. Uh, But his 23 playoff points are what's helping him maintain that second spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's um, man, that's that's a lot of playoff points. And then you know, second with you know with the with the playoff points, you know, of course is um is Martin Truex, you know, and and we we see what happened to Truex the last two seasons. You know what? How he used to rack up the points. You know the mm-hmm. you know the playoff points. You know you know once once he grabbed that first race win, and he knew he was locked in the chase. Then, then they they're focusing on as many playoff points as they can get throughout the rest of the season. Yes, yes, and they get those with wins and with stage points, uh, stage wins. So uh, this is going to be uh, again. This is a do not miss weekend of racing. Uh, we talked about all the different the season finale for the ARCA East. Uh, points paying races for the Arkham and Art Series and the Suit Chief Showdown as well. Uh, we've got uh, the Xfinity Series. This is going to be their season finale uh, where we finally determine who is the regular season champion in that series. And in the Cup Series, four drivers are going to be eliminated. So this is a super big weekend of racing uh, for the uh, NASCAR and Arkham and Art Series. Oh yeah, it's a it's even a bigger weekend for Michael McDowell, William Byron, Tyler Reddick, and Alex Bowman, who are sitting at the bottom of the mm-hmm. who are sitting at the bottom of the food chain right now, and um, you know looking yeah. to get eliminated. Yeah. And some of those drivers, I don't think we expected to be in that group. Uh, so a little bit of a surprise for uh, Hendrick Motorsports, who seemed to be so strong. Uh, there for a while, they were winning race after race after race, coming home with one, two, three, four finishes, uh, and yet uh, two of the drivers are kind of in trouble now, and they need to win very badly in order to stay in this. Uh, another point of note, uh, Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman are actually tied in that 12th and 13th spot. So Kurt Busch is in a little bit of trouble here as well. <coughs> Yeah, you know, and Alex Bowman, he, it seemed like he was going to, you know, he might have been one, you know, maybe to advance to the, you know, to the second round, especially, you know, he had the three wins. He was, you know, he was having some good consistent mm-hmm. finishes. You know, now here he is, you know, just three wins and getting ready to get eliminated. But, yeah, you look at Kevin Harvick, who did get a win the whole season, and, you know, and he's, you know, he's he's solidly the end for the next round. Yes, he is. He's, he's really done a good job. Uh, even though he hasn't had wins, he's been consistently up front. And uh, it has definitely paid off for him with that sixth place in the series point standings at this point. So these guys are all praying that they have no issues going into uh, uh, Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend. It is going to be uh, a huge, huge race uh, for this Cup Series. Saturday night under the lights. and, again, we're going to have all of our racing done uh, between the truck series who's racing on Thursday night. Real quick, we've got some time here now. Let's go ahead and cover the truck series real quick. Uh, the next race for the truck series uh, is the Food City 
Do I have the right thing here? No, that's Xfinity. Hold on. Okay. The next race for the Trump Series is the UNOH 200 at Bristol Motor Speedway at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, September the 16th. So that will be live on Fox Sports 1 with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Again, no practice or qualifying. So uh, this is that's going to make it that much more interesting uh, to see what happens here. Uh, but another huge, huge event uh, for the truck series. Um, the truck series, I don't think... Let me look at the schedule here for the truck series real quick. Um, I don't think this is an elimination race for them, but I might be wrong. The round of 10. Okay. Oh, it is an elimination race. So this is going to be an elimination race for the truck series, too. <coughs> so you've got two elimination races taking place this weekend, so... They're yeah. going to lose two yeah. drivers out of the round of uh, 10. Uh, so let's cover the points there for the truck series real quick uh, because these guys are, uh, yeah, the driver's points. These guys are going to eliminate two drivers. So who are the drivers that are in trouble going into Phoenix this weekend? <clears throat> or not Phoenix, but first you got Austin Hill, Zane Smith, and Chandler Smith. Well, well it could... only two, two drivers. Only two yeah, drivers will be eliminated. Two. Yeah, only two. But um, when you look at the points, they're pretty well. They're pretty well close between Carson Hosovar, Austin Hill, Zane Smith, Chandler, and Chandler Smith. So there's only um, uh, 15 points between Chandler Smith and Carson Hostovar, but between Austin Hill, Zane Smith, and Chandler Smith, there's only, um, actually, there's seven points between Zane Smith and Chandler Smith. So, um, uh, you know, depending on how they finish and where they race, I mean, you know, it, you know. And only five uh, points between Austin Hill and Zane Smith. So that's pretty tight. Yeah, that's pretty tight. Uh, but who's at the top? Let's let's go from the bottom down or top up, top down. <laughs> so leading the points is still Sheldon Creed. Second is John Hunter Nemechek. Third is Matt Crafton. Fourth is Stuart Friesen and Ben Rhodes round out the top five. Um, John Hunter Nemechek, even though he had a bad race his last race out, but still he's got that 50 playoff points, which is double Sheldon Creed. Who you know who's who's second? Well, you know twenty-four playoff points. So John Hunter Nemechek with all those points. with all those with, with no, I'm talking about with all those playoff points. John Hunter Nemechek, he I'm almost locked himself going. into yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. as far as yeah, as far as the points, but um, um, John Hunter Nemechek already knows he's going to the next um, you know, into the right. next round so, with, with with all the points. Right. And I believe John uh, Hunter Nemechek is clinched too. Yeah, and then from there, then you go to uh, Sheldon Creed too. He just had the uh, 
the last race went too. Mm-hmm. So Sheldon Creed is already in. And then from there, then you go yep. to six is Todd Gilliland. Todd Gilliland, seventh is Carson Hosovar. Eighth is Austin Hill, ninth is Zane Smith, and tenth is Chandler Smith. So this race is going to determine Thursday night's race was an elimination race, and two of those drivers will not advance to the round of eight. So uh, this is going to be an exciting event to watch as well. And you'll want to watch those drivers uh, that are on that cut line uh, and if the, how that changes throughout the race because uh, these guys are going to be racing hard to stay in it's to the best of their ability. Oh, yes, they are. You know they are. They're going to be, um, I mean, they're going to be fighting tooth and nail. Plus, plus they they want to win. You know, sure, they want to finish as best they can, but they also want to win and and to keep um, keep racking up those uh, playoff points. Absolutely. Okay, now, Sal, we've got a guest that's going to be coming on here shortly, Dean Thompson. Uh, let's talk about him. I know he's won uh, his second championship at Irwindale Speedway uh, recently. So uh, what else do we need to know about Dean Smith or Dean Thompson? Yeah, he actually we had him on the show. We had him on the show a couple of times last year. We had him on after yep. he won his first championship, and then we had him on when I think when he when he picked up one of his uh, one of his wins at Orindale in the in the pro division. And on Saturday we had our champion our championship night just for the pro nates. And um, Dean had a he had a decision to make um, before going into the race on Saturday. He, he is racing in the Arca Menards West series. He's uh he's racing for high point racing and it's in the fifty one car and they raced at Portland on Saturday. So they're trying to figure out a way to get him to race, get him to the airport, and then from the airport fly him out here to LA, get him in the car at Urndale so this way he could still, you know, battle for the points in the in the Arca Menards West series. And you know, and still you know, wrap up his championship over here. Well, the the logistics just weren't gonna. It wasn't gonna play out the way they wanted to. So he ended up uh, choosing, you know, the championship over the, you know, over the, over the opportunity you know, to race at you know, Portland on the on the road course over there. And um, oh, of course, okay. it, was, it was a good it was a good choice because you know he ended up getting very good. You know, it's back-to-back championships, yes. Absolutely. Well, he's here now. I'm going to bring him into the queue if you want to go ahead and introduce him and uh, start off with the interview. All right. Our our, our guest for tonight is Dean Thompson, who races for um, High Point Racing. He's uh, sponsored by, by Thompson Pipe Group, which also happens to be the, the, um, the, the company that his dad owns. And uh, he also, he's racing full-time in the Spears SRL Southwest store, and he's racing full-time in the Arkham and R Series West uh, uh, West Series. So he has his plate full this year and um, traveling from track to track, from city to city, you know, to make all this happen. But like we, like I said earlier, you know, he had to make a decision. And let's uh, welcome Dean to the show. Welcome to the show, Dean. And kind of tell us about the how how the decision came about it and why you chose the, um, you know, the, the late model championship over, over the, um, uh, over the Arkham and Arts West series. 
Glad to be here, Sal. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the invitation. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a decision made by by uh, not just by me, by the kind of people. Um, it wasn't an easy one, obviously, because you know we're committed to the Arkham Art Series West, and we're also committed to the Arkham Championship, and um, we missed Irwindale with COVID, and um, that was pretty heartbreaking because that was supposed to be that was supposed to be my redemption race, but. Um, Missed that. I threw us out of the points for rookie of the year, and then threw us out of the points for the championship. Um, so we were looking at what to do, and um, we just decided if we're uh, going to go for something, we're going to go for a championship, and we decided that Irwindale Speedway would offer that. So we went for Irwindale, and what do you know? We won it. So I'm pretty pretty happy with that decision. I know some people don't believe that that was the right one, but Frankly, I think I think, and my team thinks I was missing. You know, and and, and uh, when you go back and think about the decision, you know what? It, it's uh, you know, like you said, it, it's not an easy one. You know, because you know you did have commitments at both, you know, in both series. But you know, it comes down to, I think, in my opinion, it comes down to what's going to look better on your resume. You know, as you know, mm-hmm. one thing, another thing is, you know what? Um, you know, it was a hard-fought battle to win the Irwindale Championship because Trevor had picked up some fire there for a while, you know, and was, you know, started winning a bunch of races in a row. But then, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you look at the Arkham and Art Series, you know, uh, you know, this was, um, you know, you know, it was a, you know, it was kind of like, you know, you were you were on a roll in that series. You know what? You were having good finishes. But, um, you know, and in the end, you know what? It it doesn't matter what anyone else says. It, it matters, you know, what Dean Thompson wanted. On high point racing one, and it's obviously you guys made the right decision because you know getting back to back earned LA model championships. It's not it's not an easy task. No, absolutely not. Um, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, um, it, I agree. I, I always mainly the reason why we chose Irwindale was to look for the resume. You know, um, we're not a road course racer. And I'm I'll accept that. I'm not a road course phenom like Jake. Um, so I, I wasn't expecting to win at uh, Portland. I was going to go into it with uh, high hope, not amazing, not very high expectations because I've never been there, you know. At least at Sonoma, I was there with the Miata to test. But um didn't have very high expectations, but I had a lot of hopes. But when it came down to the decision, I ultimately thought, okay, what's going to look better for the uh, – what's going to look better for the DGRs or the GMSs or the Venturinis of the world, you know? Um, was it going to be an average finish or a pretty decent finish at uh, Portland, or is it going to be a championship? And um, ultimately, we came down with a back-to-back championship, and I think that was the right move. You know, and, and, and then to cap the championship on, on you know, on the uh, on the uh, on the 20th anniversary of you know of the 911 attacks, you know, and, and everything that Tim put into that program on Saturday night. You know, with the you know with the pre-race, you know the moment of silence, you know all the firemen that came out, you know the helicopter, and you know of course the post-race fireworks, and you know just everything that that um uh, that culminated into that event. You know, then you you know gaining the championship, you're burnt out, you know climbing the fence. I mean, I mean it was it was like I mean you could script a better a better movie or a better ending than what happened on Saturday night. 
No, you're right. I mean, I could probably scripted it better with uh, back-to-back wins that night, uh, but the car was struggling. Um, wish we could have won in both of the fans and won the championship, but we did what we could. We were there for we were there when we needed to be, and uh, we gapped enough to where we were able to clinch it. Um, it's not the way I want to win it without Jake there, without Trevor there, but um, you know what? I, I played the game. That's not. That's how you gotta win these things. These things aren't aren't easy to come across, you know. Like Chase Elliott, like Chase Elliott in the Cup Series, you know. He uh, he played the game and he won it, you know. It, Kevin, it was the Kevin Harvick Danny Hamlin show all year, but Chase pulled it off because he played the game and I was there to play the game and I won. Um, so ended up how it ended up, and I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, you should be. It was a well deserved championship. Like I said, it was a battle all season, you know, between you, Thank Jake, you. and. And, um, and Trevor, you know, then, but, um, you know, like I said, an Erndale championship isn't easy to come by. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Sharon, but our host, I know she has a few questions for you, too. Hi, Dean. Hi, Thanks Sharon. How are you for, doing? Uh, be- I'm doing great. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, be on the show. Uh, uh, you know, we've seen you uh, compete in the ARCA series, and they have some pretty good runs, actually. Uh, but I th- I agree. I think you made the right decision by uh, going after your back-to-back championships. As you think back over the two years uh, that you've won the championships, uh, what are the highlights for you uh, over those two years? Man, that's an amazing question, Sharon. Um, it's got to be my, uh, my first sweep. Uh, that was... Pretty substantial. Um, sleeping the whole night, winning both races, beating Christian McGee. Um, that was pretty big for me. Um, my first win back from COVID, uh, the first win back, that was awesome. I know how to shake the rust off, but we were there and we won it. Um, and I'll admit, this season was rough. This season wasn't easy at all. Um, not a lot of highlights, I'll admit. Um but I will say the highlight of when uh, I won and the fireworks are going crazy and my girlfriend was there. I mean, that was just a dream come true, um, having everyone there. I mean, that was that was pretty nuts on how, you know, how it all folded out with uh, Trevor wrecking, and that's not how I want to win. I want to pass Trevor and sure. win it. But like I said, these things are so hard to come around that you got to take what you get, you know. Um, and obviously my two championships, um, those are those are the best highlights. I could come up with. Um, there, I'm sure there's tons more I, I can think of, but the top five of those. Well, that's they, they are huge accomplishments, Dean. Uh, and then I want to also put a little bit of focus on your team because you're the driver uh, that kind of is the face of the team, but there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that support you. So let's let's kind of talk about who those people are. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I couldn't do this without everyone who supports me. I mean, this is not um, a single – it's not a single player sport, you know. This is this is probably one of the biggest team sports in all of sports that people don't realize. Um, I mean, all the high point guys, Ryan Partridge, all of them, um, they've, been, they've been a massive, massive help in my career in these past three years. Um, Thompson Pipe Group. Uh, super thankful for them. Um, Got to thank 
uh, trying to thank Poor Performance and Hot Strength and Development. They've been there for me uh, since day one. They've been very, very helpful with all their support. Um, yeah, I mean, Lucas Oil, all of them. They've been, they've been fantastic. My mom, my dad, um, my sister, brother, my girlfriend, all my friends who watch me, and especially the fans. The fans have been a big, big, big support. Um, another another highlight, this isn't about the late models, but another highlight was when um, I got second at uh, the ARCA race, and I was pretty devastated, but as soon as NBC walked over to me, all the um, the whole crowd, it, it seemed like, was cheering, 51, 51. <laughs> so that was pretty heartwarming to feel that I was the people's champion. So. Yes, yes, that 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 has to be pretty fantastic. Um, and then you mentioned family. Uh, family is just so important uh, in racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the the fact that it's such a huge uh, team sport, and a lot of fans don't realize the number of people that are behind the scenes that are helping put this together. But I think one of the most important people behind the scenes uh, that don't always get recognition is your family uh, because they make a lot of sacrifices for you. And, uh, sure. uh, you know, that, that that's nice that you uh, pointed out that, uh, you know, not just your mom and dad, but your brothers and your sisters and, and uh, your girlfriend and the sacrifices that they make. And, and they're just as happy as you are when you win. It's, it's a win for the whole family. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's not – I mean, when I say that uh, the championship was won, I don't say I won the championship. I say we won the championship, you know. This, is, this, isn't, about, this isn't about just me, you know. This is about everyone that was involved. We are the champions, not me. You know, it's me, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my girlfriend, all my dogs, you know. We're all the champions, you know. Like, this is, uh, <laughs> I love it. They're all big support systems in my life, and I'm so grateful for them. So blessed to have them. Yes, I, I think that's fantastic, Dean. Uh, and I remember your second place finish uh, in the Arkham Menard series. Uh, and, uh, you know, are, are you going to be able to come back now that you're done with this sponsorship, with with uh, the championship? Are you now going to be able to race uh, more in the Arkham Menards now? Yes. The, the, um, the plan all along was to race the full season. Um, if I'll be honest, if I made Irwindale, if I was there at the last Arca Irwindale race, the decision probably would have been to race Portland because I have I had a really good feeling from the beginning of the season when we raced at Phoenix that we were going to be running for this championship. But unfortunately, got a different plan and we got COVID and uh, life changed pretty drastically right there and then. Right, right. So, well, we're looking forward to uh, watching your race again in the Arkham and Art Series. I'm going to pass the baton back over to Sal because I know he has some more questions for you, too. Thank you, Sharon. Okay, Dean, thank you. know you. what? It, you know, actually, this year brought on another different challenge. Um, you made the move to Texas, so now you're having to not only, you know, travel to the different Arkham and Art Series races, but... Now Irondale isn't just an hour drive away. Now it's a, you know, a plane flight away, you know, along with the with the tour race, you know, um, you know, when they visit Kern, they visit Irondale, you know. Now it's 
you know, having to, you know, fly back and forth. So that, that right there adds a whole new challenge, you know, as far as, you know, getting to the, to the, uh, you know, to the different venues. How much of a toll has it taken on you? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm blessed to be able to live in Texas. I've always wanted to live here my whole life. Um, but the toll hasn't been substantial. Um, I love living here, and I love racing in California. So I'm um, super thankful to be racing in general, you know. So to, if, I, if I had to make the sacrifice to fly to California and make a two-hour time, time change to, race, to do race cars, uh, I'm just fine with that. It's, I mean, that's no big deal to me. Um, just to even race these cars is a blessing. I'd, I'd fly tens of hours if, if I needed to. So let's let's uh, um, let's go back to the, to the to the celebration on Saturday night. You know, you opted you know for the burnout, and then of course you know you went up to the threat to the fence. You know, or something you know that you haven't done in the past. You know, and you did your burnout there. You know, and then of course you know you climbed the fence afterwards. Yeah, I mean uh, that was all in the heat of the moment kind of thing. You know what? It's just I was so excited. I started doing the burnouts and. I thought, you know what? Let's, just, let's give fans a uh, let's give the fans a, a little appreciation burnout. now. And I went out to the fence, started burning it out for them. And originally, the, what the plan was for me to uh, burn it down, like, smoke it so much that like all of the smoke would just, you know, drape my car, and I'd get out, and I when the smoke would disappear, I'd be right there. But um, trying to sit the second didn't work out very well, so I just stopped right there, hopped out of the car, and gave everyone a big hug. We were living on time, and so I did what I could, but it was it was so much fun uh, celebrating. So going going into the night, you know, you guys have, of course, you know, you practice Friday night, you know, and then and then you know your practice on Saturday. Um, it didn't look like the car was, um, you know, it wasn't you know to your liking. <clears throat> what does Ryan Parkridge tell you before you go off for the first race? You know, what kind of advice does it give you? You know, he knows, you know, the championship is there. But, like you said, you know, I'm sure you guys talked about, you know, wanting to go back-to-back wins, you know, along with the championship. Yeah, I mean, um, I think our car was struggling um, in different areas. Uh, but it's all a big mental game. Uh, when your car is not working right, you, you just got to keep the right mindset, keep your head down, and, Drive it as hard as you can, you know, um, without, you know, without ruining the car, without burning the tires down every lap. you got to drive smart, got to drive clean, got to drive good. you got to finish. In order to finish first, you must first finish is what Tim always tells me. Um, so Ryan, Ryan always tells me, good luck, keep your head down, and um, drive smart, you know, because we, we were in contention to uh, clinch the championship on the first race, which we did. And he said, he said, you don't need to do anything crazy. Don't, don't be crazy aggressive. You know, run your race, run clean, and we'll clinch this championship. You know, and actually, that that's another thing you have you had going for you too. You know, race with High Point. You know, as you have, you know, you have Tim Huddleston who has multiple championships there. You got Ryan Partridge who has multiple championships. You know, it seemed like the only thing missing was you know, and and I'm sure Jeff Schrader probably gives you a lot of input. You know, also too, you know, but missing Jeff, you know, since he was up at up at Portland with the with the Arco and Arts West series. Right. Yeah, that was uh, it's a missing piece in our puzzle to our team, but um, 
you know, when that happens, you just gotta, you gotta work through it. You know, you can't just, you can't let it sit, you can't let it sit there and you know worry and be upset about it. You gotta work through it. You know, and uh, it's missing piece to our puzzle, but we figured it out and we are the champions. Well, Dean, you know what? Uh, is there any um, is there any shout outs you want to give? You know, as far as your team or sponsors before we uh, close out the segment. Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, uh, Tom's Pipe Group, High Point Racing, for Performance, uh, Haas Racing Development, my whole family, mom, dad, brother, sister, uh, my girlfriend, my dogs, all my friends who continue to support me uh, week in and week out, watch all the races, and all the fans who showed up. I mean, I missed them so much last year. I mean, can you believe that five wins last year and there was no one there to watch it in the stands? That sucked. That absolutely sucked. I was, I'm glad I was able to win once and win the championship with them. Well, Dean, um, uh, I'm sure this this cut for me and Sharon. You know what? Good luck the rest of the season. You know, you know, with your uh, with the last two races, the Arc Bernard series. You know what? And of course, we still have uh, actually two more SRL Southwest Tour races. We got Roseville coming up this weekend, and then we have our finale next month in um, in Kern County Raceway. So that looks like it puts like at least five more races, you know, up on your schedule, you know, before you close out the season. So we just want to wish you luck, you know, in the in the rest of the season, and you know whatever whatever plans you have for next year. If you give me a text, and then you know we'll go to get you back on. You know, we'll talk about your, you know, once you once you get, you know, once you get a. Uh, you know, all your stuff and in, in once you get all your ducks in row for next season, and then we'll get you back on and we'll talk about all that. How does that sound? Sounds great. So good to tell. I appreciate you guys right. uh, bringing me on. A lot of fun. Oh, yeah, not a problem. We enjoyed Thank it, you, too. And I, go ahead, Sharon. Uh, guys. I just said we enjoyed it as well. <laughs> oh, okay. Great talking Thank to you. Thank you. A lot of fun. All right. All right, uh, that was Dean Thompson with High Point Racing, a two-time champion at Irwindale Speedway, and uh, really huge, huge championships for him. Uh, busy, busy season with the SRL, the Arkham and Art Series West, and, uh, you know, the Pro-Late Model <clears throat> Series uh, there at Irwindale. Uh, you mentioned that he moved to Texas. What part of Texas did he move to, Phil? Gosh, Sherrod, you know what? Good question. Oh, okay. I was just curious. You know what? As, as you okay, know, they, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they. I know. You know what? I. I'm pretty sure they moved close to where because his, his dad has two offices. They have one over here in. Um, they have one over here in Rialto, California, and I know they have one. They have one in Texas because his uncle, Kevin, who used to race super late models here at Irondale, he raced in Madera. Kevin used to race all over all over, um, California too back in the day. And um and, and I know Kevin used to fly out from from Texas to come out here and race. This was back I don't know oh, okay. seven, eight years ago. Somewhere around there. So um yeah, I'm not gosh. Yeah, as you know I've got family down there, so I was just uh <clears throat> curious to know if he was in the same area. But uh we'll catch we'll get that information the next time we talk to him. <laughs> But uh, he's, he's a fun conversation, and and uh, I love that he even gives credit to his dogs because dogs are a big part of the family, I, I, and I get it. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I was 
Yeah, I mean, they are. I mean, when you think about them, you know, we have one over here. And um, I, tease, I tease Sandy sometimes. I said, man, I said, you show the dog more love than me. You know, I said, the dog, <laughs> I you walk in and oh, you. Yeah, yeah I, I said, I said, I walk in and you, you know, when we both walk in, when I walk in, you kind of like, hi, how was your day? And then when the, when we walk in, the dog jumps on you, you, you fall to your knees, I said, and, you know, you <laughs> practically strangle the dog. And I'm sitting there looking, I'm going, man, this, we're watching TV and the dog walks over here and you, you hug it and pet it and come here, I'll give you some love. I said, I'm sitting there watching the TV and, I, and you just sit there and your Poor eyes Sal. are filled on the TV. So, <laughs> Poor Sal, I feel bad for you, Sal. <laughs> Because I've got, I've got my puppy dog now, too, and I tell you, I, I, I'm really crazy about her, too. So it, it's uh, it's a tough position to be in. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, so, oh, well, you know what? Now, you were at the race I, I, this weekend, too, right? Yeah, I was over there. Yeah, I was over there. I was. Um, it, it was a toss-up. I had a chance to go to Portland. I had a few drivers ask me. And then, um, and then uh, I know Dean was running for the championship, and 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 I didn't know if there was going to be a photographer there to cover, you know, all his, you know, all his photos. Did and, you take that so shot I, of him uh, yeah. facing the crowd? And yeah, okay, so that's yeah. a Sal Sakala, uh photo uh, yeah. of Dean Thompson when he's uh, kind of engaging with the crowd and and enjoying the championship uh, victory. Yeah, so it, it was it was neat, you know what? And then earned up my home track, you know. I I kind of feel bad, you know, when I don't show up there and I do other races, but sometimes, you know, the you know, for reasons that I'm not going to talk about, you know, I have to I have to do other I have to do the other series, you know, before I can come here. But but actually, you know, I've 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 made a lot of sacrifices to, you know, to to come over to Rondell. You know, I'm I'm always there to support Tim. You know, and and the whole mm-hmm. gang there at Orangeville. You know, we're like one big family there. So, you know, it, it's nice. You know, to go there. But then, anywhere I go, it's family. <laughs> you know, everybody. You know, that I come in contact with, they're all family. But Orangeville is just—it's nice because it's close to home. Ten minutes. You know, I don't have to fly mm-hmm. over there and drive seven hours. You know, I drive ten minutes and I'm there and sleep in my own bed. And, oh yeah, it's nice. But uh, I, I love that well, track. It's doing so much. That's a huge track uh, out there on the West Coast, and a lot of drivers, uh, it's prestigious to win a championship at Irwindale Speedway. Uh, but you've got a lot of tracks out there in California that are, are really nice tracks. Uh, yeah. I, I, now, he's racing the SRL this year, too. So. Yeah, we're up in All-American Speedway this weekend, which is Bill McAnally's track from um, BMR Racing. That's uh that's mm-hmm. Bill's track, so we'll be up in Bill's Bill's neck of the woods this weekend. But yeah, like you said, a championship at Orangeville, it just it just comes with a lot of prestige because when that track first opened, NASCAR dubbed it you know the the miniature um, Daytona 500 you know track, and, <laughs> and NASCAR just they did so much for it. It was a state of the art, and and uh, you know the drivers that came out of that track. I mean, I go on and on the list, you know. Um, oh, most notably, of course, is, is David Gilliland. Yeah, David Gilliland is, you know, probably one of the, you know, but I mean, just the. Uh, well, David I mean, and his son, Todd. Yeah, David and Todd. Yeah, but the um, Haley Deegan even raced, did a season, a couple seasons up here, and um, Brian yep. Deegan did some races. 
Uh, Travis Pastrana, his very first stock car race was out here at Irondale. Um, you know, we've had uh, Joy Lagana, Joy Lagana, Joy Lagano, Bubba Wallace has made stops over here. Um, <coughs> you know, we've had, gosh, I mean, the Kevin Harvick. goes on and on and on. Michael Walker. Kevin Harvick, Cole Custer raced a couple seasons over here, you know, before mm-hmm. going to, uh, you know, before going to, uh, you know, race NASCAR full time. And, uh, uh, gosh, I mean, there's just, gosh, there's just, plus, plus the, plus the elite from this, from the short track world, you know, that, you know, if you follow short track racing for years and years, you would know names like Rip Michaels, Nick Joannides, Sean Woodside, mm-hmm. um, Ron, Ron Esau, um, you know, I mean, gosh, Ron Hornaday, uh, yep. you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. You know, these guys are all just icons. You know, when you talk about, you know, short you track know racing, Trevor Huddleston. Ryan Partridge. Uh, what I love, too, is that a lot of these drivers are helping the next set of drivers develop their skills now. Uh, you mentioned Ryan Partridge with Gene Thompson, and, you know, we were talking to another driver a week or so ago uh, that worked with uh, Derek Thorne. So yeah, it's so Jason good to Walbridge. see those drivers. <clears throat> yes. Oh, uh, it's R- so Ryan, nice Ryan. to see Ryan is a huge fixture Yeah, I mean Ryan is helping. He is his brother is racing uh, what they call the spec late models, and uh, Ryan's mm-hmm. helping his, his brother, his brother Andy Partridge. But I mean Ryan is always, he's always got his hands in in, in somebody over there, you know, helping him out, you know, and um, yeah, you know, and it's amazing. He he even helps out Trevor still, you know. Ryan, Ryan is always yep. there to help any driver that needs help. Ryan is always ready to step in, you know what, and, and give him yep. tips and pointers, you know what, and, and uh, he's even he's even stepped in when we've had drivers that have been um, injured, and Ryan has stepped in, mm. you know, into the seat just so they can get the points, you know what, and, and Ryan's always ready yeah. to. Uh, plus, plus he runs the um, he runs a racing school over here um, uh, over here at Orndale Speedway too. Fantastic. I, yeah, so, I think that's fantastic. I like seeing drivers uh, give back that way and uh, still, you know, it's a way for them to still be involved in the racing in a huge way uh, by helping these uh, new drivers and developing their skills. So uh, I, I just think it's fantastic. we got to think about I know you said Derek's going to come on here sometime soon. Uh, we should think about getting Ryan back on too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if we can get Ryan back on, it won't be hard. Just give him a phone call away. And I know he likes to come back on and talk about, you know, what he's doing, you know, how involved he is, you know, with racing still. And Erndale, like I said, he's running the racing school. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that keeps him busy, you know. So he's helping everybody that comes to that school, you know. And, yeah, that's, you know, and, that's fantastic. It's, it's amazing, I mean, where they find the time to do all this. Exactly, because these guys have full-time jobs, too. Um, where are you going to be this weekend, Sal? What racetrack? I'll be at Roseville with the, with the Spears SRL Tour. Okay. And hopefully we'll get a winner from the race? Yeah, well, so far, Derek doesn't, like I said, he doesn't want to come on yet. He wants to wait. He said he'll do a, <laughs> a preview, a snowball derby preview, so... Um, 
you know, I told my well, team, you owe me that. I said, I, I said, actually, you owe me every week that you win. So when I see <laughs> on Saturday after he wins, you know, when when he wins, you know, I tell him, do you owe you? Owe? He goes, I know. That's a I lot of times. It's, it's just he's you really know, busy watched, with all the. Go ahead. I was going to tell you, I watched the Southwest Tour race this weekend on um, Mav TV, and Derek Gordon was in it, and man, he makes some amazing moves. Just when you think he's kind of out of it, he comes back and, and makes those passes. It's just incredible to watch him race. Yeah, he's a he's um he's a master out there, I'll tell you that. You know, he's um you know, he's one of the, you know, most respected I think drivers out there. You know, I've talked to a lot of different people of you know, they talk about him, you know, and and um even some of the older drivers, you know, older car owners you know, they, they talk yeah. about, you know, the way Derek, you know, the way he can just pick a, a field apart, you know, without, you know, sometimes I'd even give it 100%. He's at 80, 85%. Yeah. But, you know, he saves his car, and if he needs it, he knows where his car is going to be at the end. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, just like we talked to Jane and Walbridge, you know, about, you know, learning the car, yeah. you know, knowing what the car can do, knowing what the everything that the car is going to do. You know, that's, that's how you well, get to like that. Well, like Dean talked about, too, keeping your nose down. <clears throat> yeah. You know, when something oh, yeah. happens, don't let it get to you. Keep your nose down and, and keep racing. So that's, that's all how really, really good advice. Oh, yeah, yeah Ryan knows yeah. every inch of the car. I mean, it, it's it's amazing when you talk to Ryan and, you know, you talk about a car, you know, setups, you know, what what it does and what it doesn't do. And, and Ryan is – that that's why Ryan was so successful – when he raced out here because Ryan knew exactly what his car was doing, what he needed, what he needed to do, what adjustments he needed to make. And that's why he was able to, you know, find all the success that he did. Well, we'll look forward to that. And Sal, as always, uh, I had a good time on the show with you tonight and we'll look forward to doing this again next Monday night. All right. Good night, everyone. Everyone have a safe weekend. Uh, We will talk to you next weekend. Okay, take next care Monday. and safe travels. So next Monday okay. night. All right. Next okay. Monday night. Rain or, sh- rain or shine. Eight. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. <clears throat> take care. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. All right, we are at the top of the hour, and it is now time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining me for that, I believe I've got Andy here. Is that you, Andy? It is indeed, Sharon. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, thank you. And looking forward to our hot topics here tonight. So far, uh, you're the only one who's joined us. Uh, Jay's probably uh, frantically trying to get things here on the show. Uh, I know sometimes he runs just a little bit late, uh, but uh, I don't think Mike's going to make it, and I guess... uh, Tommy can't make it, and neither can Owen. So right now it's just you and me, bud. That's okay. We'll uh, we'll see what we can talk about, and we'll wait for Jay's arrival. I'm sure he'll be along soon. It uh, sounded like he would be on uh, for the Hot Topic segment tonight, so we'll certainly look forward to that. Um, Sharon, if you don't mind me starting off, we can – I kind of wanted Not to talk about the four the, – um, wanted to talk about the four drivers below the cut line. Obviously we uh, go into a cutoff race at Bristol this weekend. So kind of wondering what your thoughts are on these drivers and, and what their what likelihood of advancing is. 
Well, yeah, it's really amazing uh, what happened to Kurt Busch this weekend uh, at Richmond. Uh, I kind of felt really bad for him because it just happened out of nowhere uh, where he hit that wall, and that was a hard hit as well. Uh, Just to kind of give some uh, background here, the four drivers, I'm going to go from the bottom up, Michael McDowell in that 16th spot. Uh, Then it's William Byron. Surprisingly enough, uh, I would have guessed that. Tyler Reddick uh, in 14th spot and Alex Bowman in that 13th spot. But what's amazing is that he's actually tied with Gert Push, who's in the 12th spot, but 98 points back. So um, Eric Almirola is not too far away from them. He's 95 points back, so just three points difference between him and Eric Almirola. Uh, Kyle Busch, I know, wasn't happy uh, with his race. Uh, Those drivers are all looking for a win, I think, when we go to uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. Kurt Busch is really good there, so I kind of see him uh, as being a driver who can kind of rally back at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, A little shocked to see the Hendrick Motorsports cars uh, in this situation, considering they had that there where nobody could beat the Hendrick Motorsports car. Uh, so it's a surprise to see them kind of in this spot. Um, but uh, I, I do, of those drivers, I do see Kurt Busch being the driver that can rally back. Uh, we'll see what happens with William Byron and Alex Bowman. They, I'll put them next on that list. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Uh, first, let me see. Real quick here. Yeah, Jay's here now. We'll let Jay kind of chime in before uh, we go back to you. Uh, welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, lost a little bit of track of time there. I uh, apologize for being late. I caught the tail end of, of your statement. I know we're talking about the bottom four of the cut line. What exactly was the yeah. topic there? That is the, that is the topic, the bottom four of the, uh, the uh, drivers going into Bristol. And who do you see? Uh, that may not make it, or who do you see that might be able to pull themselves out of this and, and uh, you know, survive? <laughs> well, I think when you look at it, uh, not just about talent drivers, start with the points itself. I know you mentioned Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman are tied in points, so obviously that's a, that's a one-on-one situation. Uh, I think Michael McDowell, obviously, and we kind of knew this going into the postseason, he was pretty much going to have to win to advance. I think William Byron is now really, really close, if not already there, of half to win. Uh, the other two there, you mentioned uh, Kurt Busch, Alex Bowman. The points there actually could be settled on the track without even having a real bad race. A top five versus a top 20 for, for them could actually change that up. And I'm trying to, uh, while I'm talking about this, pull up the point standings. But there, there's a uh, small enough gap in points where it could be settled on the track through the stages, through the bonus points, and not even come down to a bad finish, just not a good finish. So I think right now William Byron and, and uh, Michael McDowell, I feel I really are in a half-to-win situation in order to advance. Everybody else, and I know you said it, I think Kurt Busch you have to look at probably being one that – could clearly win. We know his history at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway, so I think is in the best position. Alex Bowman kind of been on that 
I, I don't want to say slump because uh, it's not that they've been running terribly bad, but this point in the season, top 15s may not cut it. So I think you have to put Kurt Busch up. Then you move Alex Bowman maybe back. The, uh, the other two, like I said, I think they're kind of in a half to win, and I don't know that either one of them, I know McDowell's run good there before, uh, but not on a regular basis. So I think they're the ones looking at the hard half-to-win situation. Yeah, I, I would I would say that's probably the case uh, in those situations. But, Andy, what are your thoughts? Well, for me, you know, taking a look at, at the standings here, I think it's a bit of a surprise for some of those drivers below the cut line. Certainly, um, to Jay's point, you know, I'm not sure that, you know, we expected the 34 to to be above the cut line. You know, certainly had a chance, but I'm I'm not sure that's a surprise. But William Byron um, and Alex Bowman certainly, you know, with the dominance of Hendrick Motorsports this season, for those two drivers to find themselves below the cut line in only the first round is is a bit of a surprise to me. And certainly either one is capable of running up front and turning that around this weekend, but so isn't, you know, the drivers in front of them. If you look at the next four above the cut line, Keselowski, Bush, um, Almirola, and Kurt, both the Bushes, um, you know, that's not a, those, those drivers are no slouches, especially when it comes to Bristol, even Eric Almirola, I think whom many expected to be eliminated in the first round tends to run fairly well at Bristol. So it's not going to be an easy hill to climb for, for anyone below the cut line. Um, you know, Tyler Reddick, I, I think that um, they somewhat overachieved to get into the playoffs. Certainly Reddick is a, a talented driver. Um, but when you consider the overall performance of RCR this season, certainly for them to be in the playoffs is a, is a plus, but you know, so I think if I have to analyze this and say who do I think are the the surprises to be below the cut line entering a cutoff race, it would be Bowman and Byron, the two that aren't a surprise, Reddick and, and McDowell. But um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. We all know how Bristol can be, and um, certainly, you know, putting it as a cutoff race in the first round has has made it you know even more important to go there and be aggressive and push hard to try to win. And and who's to say we don't see some kind of an upset? I know it's unlikely, but you never know. And and we could see, you know, someone knocked out in the first round that we just didn't expect. And, and you know, that, you know, any Hendrick car would be knocked out in the first round to me is a surprise. And I think the odds of both of those cars advancing and knocking out someone in front of them is, is probably kind of slim to none i can see one car uh making their way in but to i'd be surprised to see more than two drivers below the cut line get themselves in so it'll be interesting to see but certainly a bit of a surprising start to these 2021 playoffs yeah i would agree with you those are the two drivers that were so the surprise for me as well sandrick motorsports drivers they were on such a, a high swing there coming into the playoffs uh, that I expected them to make it into this next round. And now it's not so sure. Uh, they've got to have really good races, and in some cases that a must-win situation. Um, uh, but uh, 
you know, if they, if they, if any of these drivers do move up like a Kurt Busch or an Alex Bowman, somebody else has got to move down. And you got to wonder who that's going to be because, as you mentioned, Andy, a lot of these drivers that are above them on that cut line are really good drivers and they're good at particularly Bristol Motor Speedway. So, uh, but there could be some surprises. You're absolutely right. We're going to get a surprise, I bet. Uh, and somebody's going to go home very unhappy that they didn't make it in to that next round. And uh, uh, I, I think we're going to be surprised. Maybe maybe surprised by who wins, but also surprised by who doesn't make it. Um, and and I think the per- one person that could be a big surprise in all of this Either way, as I look at it, is Christopher Bell? Uh, is he going? Is it going to be one of those hero or zero weekends for him, uh, where he could be a big surprise all the way around? Either way, and um, it, it's hard to say which side of that surprise he might end up on. Same thing with Eric Amarola. I think uh, he could be a big surprise in all of this. Uh, either way. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun race to watch without any doubt, Jay. Any additional comments from you? Yeah, when we look Jay, at it there, please. Tyler Reddick is the one I was missing, missing in between there. Um, you talk about Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman being tied, just assuming they just both have a solid race. Tyler Reddick only has to pick up five points on the two of them, uh, sitting at 248 versus Mm -hmm. 2053. So that's where I say that one could come down to a points battle within the race and it being even top 10, 15th place finish, but still being pushed out. If Kurt Busch finishes 14th, Tyler Reddick finishes ninth or better, you're talking about that being the jump that he needs. I truly Mm -hmm. think... What's going to happen here is the surprise is going to come from above on somebody that has a bad day, gets knocked out, has Mm -hmm. a problem. We know that problem can happen to multiple uh, at Bristol, but I think that's where it's going to come into play is who has the bad day, ends up finishing in a real bad position, and these other guys are able to just maintain and capitalize on it and get into that next round. Um, the big factor, I think, when, when we talked about, and I know Andy wasn't part of that discussion of who we thought the first ones out were, Eric Almirola and Kevin Harvick were the two that we questioned. We saw the improvement with especially Eric Almirola's team. Picking up that win had been running better, uh, top 15, top 10. Harvick's been there top 10 all year long. That, the question was whether or not that would maintain enough to get him out of that first round, being that he started in the 16th spot. We've seen him get up to seventh now based on that. Expect that to continue if he can have a solid run at Bristol. Almirola is another one that has had good runs at Bristol, so may be able to stay, stay up there. Uh, looking at that, he's only three points ahead of Kurt Busch and uh, Alex Bowman. And then you even move up to to Kyle Busch is only another eight points above that. So that's where I say this really isn't necessarily about who wins. I think it's about who has the bad race. And then we're going to see points racing within the race, getting the stage points. Mm -hmm. That's going to factor in at the end of the race. And that finish of 
that many positions in front of some of these other drivers. And it's not just one against the other. Like I said, Tyler Reddick could jump up. They could all jump up above Kyle Busch. Again, if he only has a 15th place finish, nine positions up, somebody gets a top five, it could push Kyle Busch out. So I think it's going to be an exciting race to watch the points throughout, not just the winner. Uh, We know that's important. Mm -hmm. And obviously, especially for those down the line, win locks you in, moves you on. The bad finish, possibly the win, but I think just solid finishes. And when I say solid, I'm talking fifth to 10th because 15th, like I said, may not get it right now. (laughs) Yeah. And, and my question is, uh, you know, uh, you're right. So we've got to watch the points throughout the whole race. Uh, but Andy, who who has the good day? Who has the bad day? Is what it's going to come down to. Oh, I think so. You know, and and I think you know Jay brings up a a good point there. Is that it may not be so much who you know has the good day. I think you know if you can just survive and have a clean race, that that's going to be mission accomplished. Oh, I think that. You know who who has the good day and who has the bad days is for sure going to determine who makes that next round of the playoffs. Um, you know anyone so Andy, do from you think that change the way they drive? Do you think are they going to be more aggressive or are they going to be more conservative because they've well, got to that survive would, it? That depends on who it is. If you're below the cut line, I think you you have to be aggressive to try to get those stage points, and you have to try to remain up front. Um, if you're a driver that's got a little bit of a cushion, then I think your goal is to just survive the race and get a top 10 or even a top 15. Um, you know, especially if you're in that Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell category where you've got a 25 to 17 point cushion, even Kozlowski in ninth at plus 13 has a little bit of a buffer. But when you get down to the, you know, the Kyle Busch at plus eight, you know, plus eight range, you know, you've probably got to be a little bit more aggressive than some to get those stage points so that you can build a buffer perhaps to go into stage three. Um, but if you're below the cut line, I think uh, even Reddick at minus five, certainly Byron at minus 18 and McDowell at minus 38, you have to be aggressive to try to win the race. And I think you have to win at all costs because whether you, you know, whether you come home in 20th with a clean race car or you come home in a piled heap, the end result is the same, right? You don't, you don't advance to the next mm-hmm. round. So I think you have to be aggressive and you're going to, you're going to have to see some aggressiveness, but I, I do think you'll see varying strategies in the sense some have to be aggressive to get those points and contend for the win. Others, you know, may just need a solid night to make it to that next round. And, you know, if you've got a points cushion, you can probably afford to accept a top 10 and be happy with it. If you don't have a points cushion, you need those stage points and you need to go out there and contend. And that's, what's going to make Bristol fun. Um, you know, is, is and we know how it can be there at times anyway, but I definitely think that, um, you know, drivers, at least some will have to push the envelope maybe a little bit more than normal if they're expected to make that next round. Okay. Some good points there. Okay, we are, uh, Jay, it is your turn to bring up the next hot topic. All right, well, Mike is the one that put it up. I heard it over the weekend that this weekend, I know coming up, John Hunter Nemechek was going to be in the uh, number 54 for Joe Gibbs Racing. I take that back. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Ty Gibbs is going to be at Bristol. Nemechek will be at uh, Talladega, Texas, and Phoenix. Um, Gibbs will be at Bristol, Las Vegas, Charlotte, Roval, Kansas, Martinsville. Um, but on the broadcast, they did mention that John Hunter was going to get the opportunity here in the 54 in these closing races for the Xfinity Series. What does that indicate for the future? Okay. Uh, Andy? Well, I think it's a fantastic opportunity, whether it, you know, determines his future or not, that remains to be seen. But certainly we know the the capability and the talent of John Hunter Nemechek. He certainly showed that this year, um, helping revive the KBM truck program. And, um, you know, he's had a couple of good runs in the Sam Hunt Xfinity car, which is a car that has struggled a bit this season. Um, I think he brings a lot to any program and certainly, um, you know, I look forward to his opportunities in the 54 car. I, I can't recall if he's already driven for that team or not. I think he may, I think Bristol was supposed to be the first start for them. And obviously that changed a bit, but, um, any time you get the opportunity to drive for a team like Joe Gibbs racing in the Xfinity series, um, you're expected to contend to win. And, and in particular, that 54 car has stood out to be arguably the best car in the series this year. And certainly when you combine that with somebody as, as talented as John Hunter Nemechek, I think that, um, you know, when he's going to contend and, and possibly win a race or two this year and what that bodes, you know, for the future, I don't really know. It's hard to say, um, I think we know that Gibbs is likely to move up full-time to the Xfinity Series next year. Um, So does that leave an opening for John Hunter to also move up full-time? It's hard to say. I mean, that depends on funding. It depends on if uh, JGR intends to retain its current driver lineup. We know Harrison Burton's moving on uh, to the Cup Series. Does that create a second opening or not? I, I, I don't know. You know, I'd like to think that it does, but... You know, it all depends on funding. It, it depends on the openings. It depends on a lot of things for sure. But um, would it be cool to see John Hunter get the opportunity to go full-time Xfinity racing with JGR next year? Absolutely it would. I, I think he'd be an instant championship and race-winning contender on a weekly basis. But, you know, I, I really I can't really speculate on what I think he's going to do because I, I just don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, it's hard for us to say exactly what this means. I mean, uh, I can see where some people could look at it and think maybe this is a prelude to the idea of Joe Gibbs having both cars, uh, both the 20 and the 54, run full time. But, again, all of that depends on the sponsorship. So time is only going to tell whether or not they're able to get full sponsorship. Uh, now, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, Back in June when they made the announcement, they said that he would be racing at Bristol this weekend, uh, and now he's not. Uh, they put uh, Ty Gibbs into that car, and I've got a feeling that that has to do with sponsorship. Uh, the sponsorship uh, dollars did not run enough uh, for John Hunter Nemechek to be in that car at Bristol. So uh, that's why I think we're going to see Ty Gibbs there. So sponsorship is, is kind of the key here as to whether or not uh, Joe Gibbs can run two cars full-time next year. This year they ran part-time, and they're struggling to get it 
even uh, even the part-time uh, races in. So the other option here would be that he shares the car with some other up-and-coming driver, uh, but I, I would hate to see that happen to John Henry Nemechek. I would like to see him racing full-time if that's at all possible. Uh, you're right. We just can't say exactly what it's going to be. We can't speculate on what that's going to be because we don't know what the sponsorship situation is there at Joe Gibbs Racing and whether or not that's that's even possible uh, to happen for next season. Uh, if I had my wish list, it would be we see uh, Ty Gibbs in the number 20 and we see uh, John Hunter Nemechek in the number 54 next year. And uh, they're racing full-time on both cases. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if that actually does come to pass. Um, but I think the fact that they, they didn't have a sponsorship for John Hunter Nemechek for this Bristol race, and that's why they're putting Ty Gibbs in the car, I think uh, that, that gives us a little bit of a hint. So, Jay, your thoughts? Well, you keep saying we can't speculate. I can speculate. I can guess all day long. Yeah, we can uh, like you guess. said, it's maybe more long, right. <laughs> more more of a dream dream thing, if if nothing else. But uh, being that it is in the playoffs, and they can't run the Cup regulars during those races, it does open up that opportunity for them to bring in another driver like John Hunter. And I do believe it is kind of a test session to evaluate and try to put a bit together bigger. Uh, sponsorship uh, deal. Uh, I know Mike said here, I think JHN uh, still has Fire Alarm Services as sponsor, but not how sure deep that runs, what level of commitment they might have. And I agreed with them. I don't think that that one alone is enough to carry an Xfinity team for the year. So with that, I think this is maybe with his run at the championship in the truck series with uh, Cowbush Motorsports, along with some Xfinity races, especially if he does well, I think is to try and build sponsorship deals for him so they can put him in full-time next year. Uh, that's, that's my belief. Uh, you know, it is a speculation, but I think that is part of it um, to try and build a, a bigger uh, sponsorship deal that would carry him through the whole season. Uh, we may see it, like you mentioned, if he does a part-time deal, um, then I think it would be the – Fire Alarm Services, they have been a, a, a sponsor with him throughout all his career, I believe, uh, going back even to the cell phone team of the Nemechek's to when he was with the Xfinity Series in Ganassi. I don't remember on the cup level if they ever moved up with him at the cup level with uh, front row, but they have been tied to him very strongly, but I don't feel that would, is enough to carry him through a full season, so... I think they're looking for more opportunities to make it happen for them. Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, I mean, I'd certainly like to see him get an opportunity uh, in the Xfinity Series again. And uh, even if it's part-time next year, I know certainly running for a championship is better than than not. But if he, you know, has the, the choice between, driving an underfunded cup car and maybe running 15 races in the Xfinity series for JGR, I'd probably choose the latter option as a way to uh, stay relevant, stay competitive and win races. So um, I think he's certainly proven his talent in terms of staying viable in the sport for a ways to come. And 
Um, you know, he's certainly done a great job this year of um, kind of reinventing himself, if you will. And, uh, you know, certainly hope he gets an opportunity to run more uh, races in, in the Xfinity Series. One thing to consider is I, I don't know that he's ever even had the chance to go for the Xfinity Series championship. And I think when you consider, uh, you know, Ty Gibbs being in the series full-time next year, it, it kind of is easy to say that he's the immediate championship favorite. Um, but if you were to add somebody like John Hunter to the fold, I think that creates a, a second favorite. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, but certainly you, you can only hope that this Xfinity opportunity for a couple, three races this year leads to more of that uh, for 2022. Yeah. I don't really have a whole lot to add. I think you guys both bring up some really good points. And, uh, Jay, I'm going to pass it on to you for the last word here. Well, I think, too, and I, I know even if Joe Gibbs isn't in the position to run him full-time, to give him that opportunity, just like Kyle Busch has, you know, he said this year, uh, coming into the truck series, they had the opportunity, they're making it happen as he runs for it, that whether or not he gets to have him back a second year, especially if he wins the championship, because he knows he's got the talent to move on, this might be an opportunity for him to showcase that other teams look at him to include possibly college racing. I know Matt DiBenedetto mm-hmm. kind of got tagged to that uh, here recently, and he denied that, but... You know, that's another team that is out there sort of looking for a driver if they want. So the opportunity okay. just to showcase – go ahead, Sharon. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've got to interrupt here. Uh, yep. We're at that yep. time of the night where I make an announcement to our first-time listeners uh, so that nobody's caught off guard. We're going to go off air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, But we will continue our conversation beyond that time, and we'll record the rest of the conversation. Uh, And you'll be able to hear the rest of it because uh, we're going to come out on – I'm going to go out on Twitter when we're done here and let everybody know that the podcast is available. You can listen either at Blog Talk Radio, the player that's there, or at BAMPRacing.com. We also have a player, and what you do is just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, again, I'll go out on Twitter just to let everybody know that it's available, and that's when you'll be able to go and hear the rest of our conversation here. But we do want to alert our new listeners uh, that there is a way for you to hear the rest of that conversation, Uh, and we usually make this announcement at this point of the show. So, Jay, if you want to go ahead and finish up your thoughts there. All right, I was just saying that, that this might just be, even be an opportunity that Joe Gibbs Racing is giving John Hunter um, to showcase so that other teams can see his uh, capability, which, truthfully, if they don't already know his capability, they're, they're blind and not watching because uh, we've seen <laughs> it. But uh, another opportunity, keeping his name relevant. And like I said, I think, I think going after this Truck Series championship, I don't want to say winning it because obviously we've got to wait for that, but – been the strongest contender all year. I know he's got some competition now with uh, Sheldon Creed picking up some wins. Um, but and Andy said uh, reinventing himself or getting his name back out there as a top championship contender. Uh, so those even those three races, I think, can can really show. 
And you mentioned what he did with Sam Hunt Racing. Uh, he wasn't my pick, and it would have cost me fantasy points, but I, I really did kind of want to see John Hunter win this past weekend. Well, you, you got a third-place finish. Uh, that's not too shabby. Okay, Andy, uh, what uh, is our next top topic? Um, I was going to defer to you, Sharon. I'm not quite sure I've got one queued up, so if either of you have got something to go ahead right now, go for it. Okay. Um, okay. Okay, how about the heat inside the next-gen car is too high and a safety factor? Uh, I know that uh, I'll go ahead and read uh, Mike's thoughts on this because he brought it up. He said he is already a major safety concern with the Gen's fixed car. With how sealed up the cars are for aero, the drivers have really taken a beating from the heat standpoint. I'm surprised we haven't seen more heat injuries than we already have. And I really think it should be a big point of focus for NASCAR. They've gotten to the point where the cars are extremely safe from a collision standpoint, but I think heat injury prevention uh, should be a bigger consideration going forward, and it will have to come from NASCAR. I doubt teams would willingly give up and the arrow advantage without it coming from the sanctioning body. Uh, okay, so with that, Jay, what um, what are your thoughts? Well, Mike, Mike's not here to know it, so I'll go ahead and agree with him. <laughs> uh, we know that it has been. Uh, over the past several years, this has become a more prevalent thing as they sealed the car up um, for aerodynamic purposes, it really has put the the heat factor in these cars at a, at a high level. I know we've got improvements with the cool suits and the cooling systems and all that, but they fail sometimes. I mean, nothing nothing beats pure wind. I understand NASCAR the concern is safety concern. If more wind can get into the cockpit of the car when it gets sideways, that's what creates the lift and pushes the car up. But with the roof flaps that they've they've come with, allows it to escape back out and not hold onto the car and lift it up. So I think they may need to give some concessions, and we've seen it. I mean, I'm not saying we need to go back to the old days where it's an open window, but even drivers, when either they're trying to signal that they're coming off the track or even to just get a little bit of air into their car to hold their hand out that window there, I mean, have a tough time even just getting their hand out just a little bit uh, to get some air in there. So, I think something does need to be looked at, and I, th- I believe it was Denny Hamlin. Let me see if I can pull up the Jayski article. Uh, Denny Hamlin I've driving one right here. for yeah. the. Okay, go go ahead. Yeah, Hamlin just said uh, the heat in the cars is a big big concern. Obviously, it's difficult because it's the way the car is designed. The design of it having where the exhaust is all boxed in, running underneath the seat. It's hot. It's 450 degrees down in that box, and it's super hot. Now, John Polks, the senior vice president of Racing Innovation, said work remained on the heat in the car. He said, we obviously have a list of things to work on coming out of here. Uh, He said, we have to work on the heat in the car. We have some ideas there. We used the afternoon today to try some big swings at things and found some directions to go. So I feel like we made some really big gains there. So, um, yeah, Hamlin also felt that the heat 
despite having an AC unit hooked to his helmet and wearing a cool shoot under his uniform, it's that box underneath their seat that is super hot and making it uncomfortable for the drivers. Jay, go ahead. And, and there you have yeah, and there you have it. Even even with that AC unit, and like I said, we've seen many times where uh, the the hose comes disconnected. We've seen drivers fiddling with that, or them have to make a pit stop for that. And, and as Mike mentioned, we did have a couple of races this year where we did have some drivers go through some heat issues. Um, like he said, it's surprising maybe surprisingly maybe that we didn't have a few more. Now I know this. Uh, invention or the usage of the the cool suit a lot more drivers have been uh going towards that i don't know how much that helps i'm not as familiar with that um but i know several drivers that said once they tried it that that was something they said hey we got to have uh because it helps but is it enough and like i said the natural airflow uh you can't combat that and that also would allow some heat to escape as well yeah andy your thoughts yeah, it's, I think, trial and error, right? You know, it's a brand-new race car, and, and certainly, you know, they've probably learned a fair amount just from these on-track tests, but, um, you know, it seemed as if getting the cars out together, for whatever reason, at Daytona generated a lot of heat. This isn't something that I personally heard of until this test. Um, with the single-car test that they've done, um, but for whatever reason, it seemed as if heat was a a pretty big factor, you know, in this group test they just did at Daytona. So I think that given the fact it's a brand-new car, you know, things oftentimes look good in design or on paper, but until you get out there and actually see how it does, you don't necessarily know, you know, what what – you know, how hot it can be, for example, in this case. So obviously, you know, in testing, you gather data, NASCAR can go back and the teams can go back and say what changes need to be made to these race cars to allow the driver to remain cooler. And and obviously, by I think by the time that this car enters uh, full-time service next year, changes will have been made that will you know, probably be more in line with the current car. And, and that's why they test. That's why they go out and do these things so that they can learn and, and gather data. And that's the thing. This car has zero, almost zero data on it with the exception of a little bit of on-track testing the last year or two. So, um, you know, as we get down closer to, you know, the start of, of next season, I'm sure they will have learned a lot and, and changes will be made. So, you know, is it, is it a concern? Sure, but that's part of the testing phase, and you know you have to think that they'll have figured some stuff out. And, and I'm sure over the course of running it, its first full season, they'll learn a lot next year too. And you'll probably see even more changes, uh, you know, throughout time. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think it's just part of it being a new car, and you know, until you go out and run it, you don't always know quite what you have. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what this next test uh, brings for them. Uh, they've been talking about the heat in the cars uh, for a while, and you guys are right. It's not a new issue. Uh, this is something that has happened over uh, the Gen 6 car as well. And, in fact, um, I think one of the drivers just recently had to sit out a race because they had uh, uh, they were they had uh, exhaust. I forget what it's called now, but poisoning from the exhaust. So uh, 
they had to uh, take some time to recover from that. The fact that this box is is an exhaust box uh, that's holding all that exhaust underneath their seat concerns me a great deal. Uh, and I do think uh, that they need to take some of the huge swings at that and find a new place for that uh, and, and find out ways that they can cool that off or hot, like Denny Hamlin says. Uh, so they're going to have to take some some big swings at it. And it's got. I hope it's better than what they have now with the Gen 6 cars because you guys are right. Uh, they've had problems with heat exhaustion and drivers just barely climbing out of their cars at the end of a hot race and uh, being able to move. Some drivers happen to get oxygen uh, after a race or, you know, some, some kind of medical treatment after a race because it's so hot in their cars. And we've known for a long time that these cars are hot uh, and that a lot of times it's not uncommon for drivers to lose, you know, six or eight pounds in a race. Uh, from the heat. So, again, they do have to take some big swings at this one because uh, this is not a good situation having all that exhaust uh, boxed up underneath their seat. Uh, They've got to find ways to keep that exhaust from entering the cockpit and uh, finding a way for that to be released uh, so that uh, these guys don't get those toxic fumes into their driving space. So I agree with with uh, Andy. NASCAR's still got time that they can take those bigger swings at this and make the improvements that need to be made. I have confidence that they want their drivers to be safe and that they're going to take those big swings. Uh, but I think it's good that these drivers are pointing it out. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Follow-up thoughts. Yeah, at least they're acknowledging it and looking at it. Uh, I think, too, it's not just the ceiling of the the cockpit itself, but then underneath, which I understand was an aerodynamic thing. We've seen how in years past they're sealing the car to the ground, and uh, I can't think of the proper term with the spoiler and the plate that goes underneath it. I know they reduced that once already, but there, too, you're just sealing more and more heat in, and there's really nowhere for it to go. And with that comes then the exhaust uh, fumes if something happens there. I mean, there's some there naturally, but if something underneath uh, does uh, come apart and, and leak into the cockpit, uh, carbon monoxide poisoning, I think, is what you were looking That's for. It. And we go back That's as far it. as lake speed. Yeah, lake speed, I know, was one that had a big issue with that, um, maybe prematurely ended his career. And I'm trying to think uh, – I know you mentioned it, Sharon. Uh, there was a driver, I think it was in the Xfinity series here in the last three weeks that did uh, have an issue with that, that sat out a race, um, recovering mm-hmm. from that. Um, so, yeah, I think that is something that they definitely need to look at. My answer would be some type of air hole in the back of allowing the, the pressure out the back or the air out the back, but I'm not an engineer. And I like the way Mike put it of the teams themselves aren't going to necessarily do it because if it comes to arrow, they're looking for the arrow and the downforce and the speed. It's got to come from NASCAR saying, hey, you're going to have to deal with this. You know, but their, their, their aspect, I think, more looking at it from the safety of, like I said, when the air gets in the, the car driver. and under, under the roof, lifting up. So they're looking at it from that side of the safety. Teams are looking at it from the downforce speed 
somewhere in the middle they got to come with the safety of the heat in the cockpit itself. Andy, your follow-up? I don't really have a whole lot of follow-up here. I just think that, you know, with with further testing and, and further development, they'll figure out what changes need to be made. I just credit this to being a brand-new car, and, and you know, I, I think that trial and error will help lead them in the right direction. You know, obvi- obviously we, we do – live in an age where engineering and computers and, and everything, um, you know, looks good on paper. And certainly, you know, the design is, is probably rather precise, but in, in the, until you go out there and try it for real, you just don't always know how it's going to be. And I think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they have an idea what they can do to, to make things better. And I'm sure they will. Um, you know, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Is it a big thing? Well, it is from the sense of drivers getting too hot, especially over the course of, say, 500 miles. But, you know, you know that they'll mm-hmm. make the right changes to make things uh, where they need to be. Yes, indeed. And I'm going to let that be the final word. And, Jay, you can bring up the next uh, hot topic. All right. Well, you talked about the ones at the bottom when it came on. You were talking about the four at the cut line. What about at the top? Are we seeing a shift in who we think the favorites are going into the championship for? Not necessarily winning it, but the ones that may be going into the championship for that may be a little different outlook now. Okay, Andy, what are your thoughts there? Well, Yes and no, I think is the best way I can answer that because Kyle Larson, I think, still has to be considered the favorite. However, Denny Hamlin, who up until the Southern 500 went winless this year, despite being at the top of the points, I'm not sure many felt like was a Final Four contender. Now that he's won a race and and finished, I think he was um, second or third. He was top five at Richmond they seem to be getting hot at the right time, and that's what the playoffs is all about. It doesn't really matter what you did the first 26 races. It's all about what you do right now. And, you know, between, you know, the five car of Larson, I, I look at the 11 of Hamlin, obviously, you know, Truex has been fairly solid all year, came, coming off a win at Richmond. I don't know that you can count him out. Um Blaney's been pretty hot lately. Uh, you know, those are kind of the guys right now, you know, and, and I'm not sure that anyone else has really demonstrated that they're a Final Four car. Um, just kind of looking over this list here, um, you know, Hamlin, as you know, Hamlin, Truex, and Larson, certainly, you know, you have to believe are are, are going to be in contention for that that final four, you know, race at Phoenix. But beyond that, Logano, I'm not sure has, has shown the ability to get, to do it. Uh, he is technically ranked fourth, but I, I just don't know if, if they've had the speed lately to, to demonstrate that Ryan Blaney has had that speed. He ranked fifth in, in my mind. He right now is that fourth car. Harvick hasn't really been there all year. Chase Elliott has had his flashes of, contending but hasn't really demonstrated the ability to go back to back as far as winning a championship and then beyond that there's no point in getting into that list but at the same time 
you know, there are drivers, big names back there that are capable of, of winning and getting their way up into the latter stages of the playoffs. And so we just don't know. But, I mean, right now in my mind, if today, if I have to pick a, the, the, the championship four, it's Hamlin, Truex, Larson, and Blaney. And um, I fully expect to be proven wrong. <laughs> on that, but I wouldn't be surprised if at least three out of those four are correct based on what I've seen this season and what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Andy. I think that the top three, uh, there's hardly any question about it. Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex. And I think that's kind of been the case all season long uh, that those are the uh, three, I think, that we kind of thought were were kind of at the top of the list, uh, and it's been it's been variable on who that fourth person is, uh, and and has been so elusive to really identify a strong fourth person to be part of that final four. Now, O'Donnell recently made a statement that he felt Team Penske was behind Joe Gibbs Racing and Hendrick Motorsports, uh, that he didn't feel that they were up to par. But Ryan Blaney and the runs that he's been having lately, uh, I think have been really good runs. And I think he credits that to some um, uh, conversations that he's had. I forget who it was with exactly that kind of gave him a head turn uh, that kind of helped him look at things a little bit differently. And he kind of come alive all of a sudden. Uh, so Ryan Blaney very well could be that fourth person, uh, but so could Joy Logano because his comments could also be seen as kind of a, um, um, I don't know, head game, I guess is what you'd call it, uh, for the rest of the competition by letting people know that he feels that, uh, that maybe they underestimate what he's able to do, and he, he puts himself into that uh, fourth spot. Now, he's certainly capable of, uh, capable of doing that because uh, I remember the, uh, the big three and me with Joey Logano a, a couple of years ago, um, and Joey Logano came on strong. Uh, so I don't know that he's as strong as he was then, um, this year, but, you know, time's going to tell the rest of the story, but I have to agree. I think it's going to be Ryan Blaney, uh, who seems to be in that zone, if you will, right now, more so than any of these other drivers at this stage of the game. Now that's subject to change as we go on, but I think those top three are pretty, going to be pretty stable. Uh, so, Jay, what are your thoughts? Not that, not that I'm anti Martin Truex, but that one to me was one of those we talked about of throughout this season has been hit or miss. And I don't remember how many months it had said, it said he had been since he had won his uh, last race. Been either top five. He won in May. Or 25th. He won in May at Darlington. Okay, so the, yeah, that, that was a stretch. You're right. It was the, the previous Darlington race. So he's still a, a bit of a concern to me. I don't know that I would necessarily lock him into the final four. Uh, he, he's locked into the next round, obviously, with that win. But when it comes to the final four, I think the only two that I could say I could even pencil in would be Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin. And Denny Hamlin was even questionable because, again, he had been top five, hadn't had the, had the win, 
went through a little bit of a streak of not even being top five a little bit further back, but come out strong in the playoffs. I think he's had two top five finishes, um, the win and then a sweat second or third. So that gives me confidence there. Truex picked up the win, had a good race, but does he maintain that consistently? Sliding down to the two you're talking about from Penske, Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney. There I look the same as Kevin Harvick. They're consistently top five to top ten. Is that enough to get you into the final four? And that would depend on who else wins. Uh, I think right now you may have to give, like you mentioned, the edge a little bit to Blaney. Uh, however, it seems like Logano seems to shine more at this time of year. I know Blaney's had his, his runs. And I think this next round is especially real good for him. But that final uh, round of eight is where he has struggled a little bit. The confidence I have in him, though, Richmond was one of the tracks they mentioned as a not a great track. Ended up 14th right on the edge of the lead lap. So to put, turn that kind of performance in at a track that's not his best track gives you that confidence. The one I think might be a sneaky one, and I know, Sharon, you mentioned this, Kevin Harvick. We hadn't seen the Kevin <laughs> Harvick of old throughout the year. Still running top 10, but not winning every week. He's still right on that verge, but we've seen him move up from 16th up to 7th. We've seen the improvement from Eric Almarola. So now it's a matter of if he can continue that upward trend at the right time, pick up a win. We know he can be solid at all the tracks. We've seen that throughout the years. So he might be the one to sneak in, ironically, coming from 16th to seed up into the top four. Uh, Andy, your follow-up? Uh, no real follow-up. You know, I I think we just have to see how things progress uh, through the playoffs, and, and a lot of course depends on, on who advances and who can't this weekend. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, you bring up some good points with regard to Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex. Uh, that's certainly true, and, and we'll have to see what happens at Bristol. Either one of those guys, any one of those top three guys, uh, could have a bad day at Bristol, and it, it, it could uh, change the the whole complexion of where they they are. Um, you know, this was kind of designed for somebody to have a mulligan and still be able to compete for the championship when it was all said and done. Uh, but a, a lot of these drivers had their mulligan right out of the gate at the very first race at Darlington. So I think that's kind of changed up things as well. Uh, the big key is who's going to who's going to rise. Which which one of these drivers will be the cream that rises to the top? And I have said all year long that I think Kevin Harvick's going to come alive during the uh, playoffs, and he very well could be the driver that kind of puts himself into that uh, fourth spot um, in there. But I haven't seen that happened yet in these first two races. So we'll see what he does at Bristol and, and the rest of his season. Uh, but so far he hasn't kind of proven uh, my theory to be true. In fact, tonight uh, part of me was thinking, I wonder if Kevin Harvick is trying to see if he can get into the final without ever getting a win. Uh, and maybe he is trying to see if he can make that happen. So, uh, and maybe the only win he needs is that last win uh, of the season. So we'll see. 
uh, Kevin Harvick, if anybody's capable of that, I would think it would be Kevin Harvick. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Jay, your final follow-up? Well, the other two, I know Andy mentioned them, Chase Elliott. Uh, again, we've seen him do his thing on the road course. We've known the rest of his season has kind of been a whole hum, if you will. Uh, so we'll have to see if he turns the wick up. And then Kyle Busch recovering, like you said, uh, using up that mulligan early, getting back to where he had a stretch where he picked up his wins and was running back up in the top five, splitting up the Hendrick group, as he said, uh, a couple races where they finished one, two, and four and five, and Kyle Busch was in the middle. So that would be the other two, along with Harvick, that I think we could really see sneak in as far as the final four. But that also then would need, when we do the preview show, we talk about it, they can do this if they get some help, and that would be some bad help or bad luck to one of these (laughs) other competitors. Because, again, to get in that final four, running top ten isn't necessarily going to get it done. Okay, uh, we are coming up on the top of the hour, so I think it's time for us to do our roundtable now. Uh, Jay, I'll start with you for the roundtable, and then we'll go to Kathy. All right, you follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, and I will, well, the Xfinity Series has one more race. I've been posting our fantasy uh, group there on Twitter as each one starts the uh the playoffs and where we're at. Uh, we'll tell you this. I know we'll cover it on Thursday or Wednesday, Wednesday morning for the podcast. Yeah. Um, the full full details on it, but the playoffs, Sharon, uh, you were one to capitalize on it this weekend. Big swing for you uh, having Truex there. So uh, you've jumped up several spots in two of the categories for sure, in two of the uh, cases. Oh, wow. Okay. I was hoping, I I was happy with double points, that's for sure. Um, And Andy, your roundtable. Yeah, CV14 fan on Twitter and uh, still not 100% sure about Thursday, uh, I guess, uh, is it Wednesday, Sharon, we're doing that? Wednesday morning, the next show? Yeah, the next show we're going to do, I posted it on our Hot Topics thread, uh, we're going to do the show on Wednesday morning because of the races on Thursday night for the next two Wednesdays. So um, both this Wednesday the 15th and also Wednesday the 22nd, uh, Jay and I are going to start at 10 p.m. I'm sorry, 10 a.m. each time, which means that hot topics would start at uh, what 11:30 or yeah. Okay, so I'll be to be determined on that. I, I am working through Friday, and my schedule is always fluid because I'm a I'm on reserve, which means they can do whatever they want, how they want. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. Hoping to be on Wednesday though, and and uh, talk about Bristol because we know uh, it's going to be a wild one. In fact, Jay was so excited that. Uh, who thought we were racing there last weekend. So, <laughs> um, thank you, Andy. <laughs> I had to, I had to just 
jab you there a little bit, but understandably so. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it too, and it should be a good one. So hopefully we'll be on Wednesday to talk about it, and uh, certainly looking forward to it. Okay. Appreciate and, uh, and we'll put those shows out by about noonish or so. Go ahead. Or a little I was just say, Andy, appreciate appreciate you uh appreciate you filling in for Mike and making sure that I, you point out my mistakes. I was filling in for Mike, right? <laughs> yeah, Mike Mike does a really good job at that, so I just had to help him out a little bit, I suppose. <laughs> Not that he needs it. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um uh, again, I'm Fan for Racing Psych on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog, and radio everywhere else, including fanforracing.com. Uh, now, we did have Sam's recap up for tonight, but Sam's getting married, so he's not going to have a recap for the next two weeks uh, because one week he's going to be wedding. The following week he's going to be on his honeymoon. So if anybody wants to step up and do the recaps, uh, for these next two weeks and fill in for Sam, that would be great. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've got uh, a big weekend of racing this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to do our, our um, um, preview shows these next two weeks as uh, podcasts on Wednesday morning. We'll, put the, we'll publish those early in the afternoon on Wednesday so that you'll hear our preview uh, of those races. Now, we probably won't have the uh, benefit of having the news and notes because they usually comes out uh, later on Wednesday or even early on Thursday. So uh, unless uh, NASCAR does that a little bit earlier than usual, uh, we may not have the advantage of that. But Jay and I have done that before, and uh, I'm sure we'll be fine. So uh, looking forward to the weekend of racing and uh, the podcast on Wednesday morning with you guys. So I hope everybody uh, has a good week, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Have a good night. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 